Let's talk that smack. Smacking. This is the tournament for the new millennium. You'll experience the most exciting battle in history. Let's get ready to battle. Feel the intensity when power and technique collide. Crush the competition. Let the martial arts madness begin. 2001 is the year we make contact. Welcome to the revolution. Well, uh, <laughs> that was that was something. Hello. Is it wise? Hello and welcome everybody to uh, this episode of Square Waves FM. Uh, what episode is this? Number 48. 48. We're the only podcast that uh, lets you fight evil by moonlight and win love by daylight. Um, I'm your co-host, apparently, <laughs> Brian, and here's the real host, Bianca. Of course. And we got a couple of super-duper special guests uh, joining us today. We've got uh, Robert and Edgar from the Nostalgia Road Trip podcast. Say hello, gentlemen. Beep. Beep. I, I never run from a real fight. I'm the real soldier, Sailor Moon. <laughs> In the name of the moon, I shall punish you. Ooh, moon tiara magic. I see you idiots are using the horrible English dub translation. Oh, sorry. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. In the name of the moon, I will punish you. Oh, um, um, the, the, the wind is romantic and my bubbles will make you scared. Oh, ever realize, I'm sorry, that, uh, somehow just He's making fun the of the new version. Uh, there's actually Sailor Moon Crystal, which is the newest uh, release of it. It's a remake of the original and it's toured to the manga. Yeah, I've, I've yet to watch it. I heard it's really, really good. It is. Do you want a uh, trial key to Crunchyroll? I have a whole bunch. <laughs> yeah, oh, God, no. I, I did, like, for me, like, the anime was, like, completely something I did in the 90s, which right now, like, for being a collector, being a classic game, because I'm a classic game connect collector now, but back then I used to be, like, a heavy manga and comic book fan, and holy crap, like, when I did my tax return, when my uh, tax preparer was looking at my, my uh, you know, my expenditures, I guess, for that year, he's like, wow, you spent over $10,000, and my mother's looking at me like, what the hell did that money go to? Like, uh, uh, comics and manga? <laughs> I, I had the same thing, but it was mostly a lot of computer games and video games. Yeah, most, of my, right. my, most of my uh, stuff goes to manga. Mm -hmm. I suppose oh. you've, you've heard of these sagging shelves of manga that I have. Yeah, we have, we're surrounded by sagging shelves of uh, anthropomorphic animals and, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, gender-questionable <laughs> cutie pies. <laughs> Oh, Wait, mine is uh, Blu-rays and video games and records and books and, like, all kinds of crazy-ass crap. Well, that's oh. that's why we have you fine gentlemen on the show today. You know the good shit. Yes, we do. We, we know talk a lot of sleep. stuff. We know a lot of stuff. Like, have you ever heard of the Inhumanoids? <laughs> Maybe. Or Centaurs? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. Nope. Or uh, Brave Star? Everybody knows no, Brave Star. I don't, actually. You really? Know? Ah, we have someone. <laughs> 
So, okay. Yay. Brave Star is, was it developed by Filmation as well? Yes, it was. Mm. It was developed by Filmation. It, and it was a precursor, I think, to He-Man, wasn't it? Didn't only, it only lasted one season. Really? Um, I think it came roughly around the same time. Yeah, and it's about this cowboy, this space cowboy, you know. Because why not? Yeah, yeah why exactly. not? Exactly. And he would call on the powers of, like, the wolf, the bear, and all that stuff to fight, what you was know, he aliens. It, it's, it's like... It's like Cowboys of Moo Mesa. I know I throw something else. I remember uh, them. Cowboys of Moo Mesa were anthropomorphic animals in the <laughs> Old West, except there are some humans involved. And the sheriff is a Native American spaceman who is able to call <laughs> on the powers of animals. And also his horse, who he rides on out of nowhere, turns anthropomorphic, stands upright, and starts holding a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't suppose Only, that horse rides a horse. That would just be like the, the perfect, uh, the perfect. Oh yeah, because the horse moment. is a cyborg, and it's like it's actually a yeah, it's a sci-fi western. It's, yes, there you go, there you go, there you go. You it's, it's the whole, uh, it's the whole uh, goofy walking Pluto situation, more or less. And actually, it lasted sixty-five episodes. Oh. Yeah, but again, in the 80s, that's like one season. <laughs> yeah, really. One whole season. It ran from September 14th, 1987 to February 24th, 1988. Damn. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, literally, that was in the 80s, like like 36 episodes to even more is considered one season back then. No kidding. Yeah, just basically like churn them out like crazy. Yep. Well, I'm sure those uh, the, the the poor uh, slave wages Asian animation farms have had very sh- uh, sore wrists by the end of season one. I could imagine. I could no. imagine it'd be like just yeah, more sales, more sales, more sales. Just throw them, boom, 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 boom. True, yeah. but uh, they would have had more people employed, which mm-hmm. means more jobs. That's True, but so. again, like anything in the '80s, they spend all that money on the cocaine. That's right. That's where that, that that's where the slave wages come in. Slaves yeah, are good for the blow. Yeah. yeah. But no, cocaine, short white shirts, you know, vest, you know, shirt and, and uh, you know, everybody started looking like Don Johnson from Miami Vice. Yep. Oh, no hookers? <laughs> no hookers cuz they were spending too much. That why would they do hookers, Robert? It's the 80s. The only thing they did were like were like cocaine shaped like women. Oh, yeah. Well, okay, there you go. Cocaine hookers. <laughs> Going like anywhere women. or is this just going to be a tangent? This is our this is our nostalgia our podcast. So we're going to we're going to uh, finally remember the things that we are caricaturing and never experienced ourselves. Yeah, Except for and the things that we get experienced. We don't even know what the hell you guys are talking about. <laughs> well, that's our job. We're going to be the educators. Uh, yeah, yeah except we're getting on the I'm bus 32. with the cats. I'm born in 1983 and you still are confusing my butt crack. I'm a 90s kid. <laughs> Oh, we were um, tail. I was a tail end of the seventies. You remember these guys? You are a nineties kid. <laughs> if you remember these kid, these characters, your life was awesome. Exactly, that's right. <laughs> uh, at least you know what? It's better than those uh, pop up ads. Like, oh, uh, ten secrets that these people know and these people hate it. <laughs> yeah, gotta love those. Yeah, lists. Yeah. By the way, before we get too far away from that uh, captivating intro sound, that was from Capcom versus SNK Two. Um, is it just me, or does the it's like the the announcer guy ever since I guess Super Street Fighter Two sounds exactly like Big Bird? It does. It does sound like him. That's that's weird. I guess he couldn't find a decent 
job after the crumble of Sesame Street or something? I don't know. Sesame Street's I, still on. Yeah, I know, but either that or he's just trying to be like all crazy bombastic, like he couldn't be on the show. Oh yeah, I guess so. Gee, Snuffy, we got to get into this Millennium Fight 2000. <laughs> I hear the money is hot. He's too, he's too, he has to be too chill on that show, I guess. So he I, has need to, an, I need an extra fan for this giant-ass costume I need to wear. I know. The money. Yeah. I, I swear to, yeah, I swear to everything it does. It sounds like a very hyped-up Big Bird. It does. You need a second job to uh, pay for his crippling birdseed addiction, I suppose. Ah, <laughs> oh, I feel like I'm going to choke up on the birdseed again. <laughs> oh, um, speaking of hallucinogens and drugs, Speaking you of, you know that originally Snuffleupagus is a figment of Big Bird's imagination. Yeah. In the original introduction, I knew that. To Snuff- huh? I knew that. Yeah. Not many people know that. Like originally, Snuffleupagus was like a, a heffalump, whatever, in the Winnie the Pooh kind of universe. It was a made-up animal, and mm-hmm. out of nowhere, they decided, "Hey, you know what? Let everybody else in that in that uh, cocaine Big Bird. We all can see him now." <laughs> and wow. sure enough, yep, he became a staple. The power of imagination. And the power of drugs. Yeah. Oh, oh, and uh, if we're back on uh, Sesame Street tidbits, you know why, you know Telly, Telly Monster in mm-hmm. Sesame Street? You know why they call him Telly? Why? why? Because originally he had antenna and he had an addiction to watching a lot of television. Telly Monster. Oh, uh, television. And exactly. And then re- you know, later on, you know, Jim Henson decided, let's not put that because that can create like some kind of, we might get some heat from parents saying that there's a character who watches a lot of TV, you know, yeah. even though we're supposed to be promoting education and, you know, going, leaving the house and having fun, making friends and all that stuff. Well, that show always did kind of have that sort of beatnik flavor to it. So I guess it, it was made by the hippie of hippiest. Right. Jim Henson. Yeah. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I, I just imagine that you know, was like. It was Sorry. the 60s when he created those characters. Was it that long ago? I thought it was the 70s. Wow. It was, you know, but again, you know, you know, all the power to him because he actually was able to make a career of puppetry. Like, you can't, like, these days, you know, you know, if you said something, you know, in that time, you know, like, oh, I'm going to make a show about puppets and I'm going to be popular, people would laugh at you in the face. Now, he, you know, and now there's, like, job for puppetry everywhere in movies and stuff like that. So, you know, he was an engine, you know, a pioneer in that stuff. Yeah, he was. By and he way, also gave us Labyrinth. And to bring it to David Bowie, right. that, never forget Labyrinth. That's right. Never. And and it's like, and he went for it. David Bowie went for it because he was just so interested in the subject matter. And he was just so interested in, like, what he was planning to do with it. Yeah. Exactly. And, again, everybody loves the, the most famous Muppet of them all, the bulge that he had between his legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was well animated, too. It was. It was brilliant. So lifelike, I heard it, t- it took like three midgets to operate it. <laughs> Sweet. By the way, before we get too far from Sesame Street, I'm not going to hear any argument about the very, very best little Sesame Street segment segue thing, which would be the, uh, the uh, 12 song in the Pinball Machine cartoony land. That was the best. Oh, uh, yes. Yes, that was fun. I always loved that one. The animation and everything. It was just like, woo! You it was see awesome. That. And that song, from like a musician standpoint, has some sort of a crazy time signature. I don't know what the time signature is. It's like thirteen eight or something like that. It's very complicated jazz, but it's catchy. And it, it is. It, it is. And, any, and, in, and if life has anything has taught us, anything that's catchy will always stay in your head constantly. You're always bringing it back, no matter how old it is. That's very true. I think maybe at the end of the episode, there's an awesome remix of that song 
by a guy named Venetian Snares, an electronic musician from uh, Winnipeg. Please don't pollute the podcast with Venetian Snares. Oh, I sure as hell will. No, spare us. <laughs> At least play the original. Have some class. Okay, we'll see. Don't play freaking Venetian Snares. Not the, the rest of the world doesn't care about your crappy pots and pans and utensils being dropped in the That is a benefit, my dear, of having a podcast. You get to expose these suckers to whatever kind of ear poison you want to pour down their uh, I w- I'd rather pro- ear hole. I'd rather, uh, you know, pollute, expose them to the theme from today's special, if we're going to do that. Oh, yeah, today's special. <laughs> what was today's special? That was the show that takes place in a department store after, after hours, hours and, like, a mannequin comes, comes to, to life. life. What was his name? Jeffrey? Yeah. And there's this nighttime security guard. She's a a woman. Um, And then she. Oh, and there was Muffy Mouse, who was an obnoxious little twit who always speaks in rhymes. There was like a mailman guy or something, or a night watchman guy with a mustache. He sort of looked like the, the. the postal guy from Tears, what, whatever his name was. Is that no, no, that's not Norm. Cliff? I don't, Cliff. 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 That's right. Yep. And was that, uh, I don't know, what else do we say about today's special? That show was cute. My sister liked it. It was cute. And it basically just had a bunch of random stuff happen. It was like, it's chill, It's pointless children stuff. It, made, it was so mindless. It had no educational value whatsoever. Unlike most of the crap they put on TV for kids. Everything has to be educational. Why can't it just be fun? That was the nice thing about today's special and the poke of that door. If they didn't have educational value, they were just fun. Well, my educational value came from, dare I say, I was allowed at four and five years old to watch Monty Python's Flying Circus. Oh, I didn't see that till I was much older. That's, that is educational for a four or five-year-old. Except that it's not very good when you go to kindergarten class and repeat lines from John Cleese, especially, of course you don't get fucking wafers with it, you cunt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and you went to Catholic school, so that's even worse. No. <laughs> Actually, I didn't even last in Catholic school. I think I lasted all of three days before the nuns were begging my mother to take me out. <laughs> was it because upon entering the doors of the Catholic school, you started feeling a burning sensation in your skin? Or maybe <laughs> I made like, oh, a oh, burning oh. sensation in their skulls? <laughs> now, now, this today's special sounds a lot like... Um, what is that? The Christy Swanson movie, uh, Mannequin. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. Hey, wait, um, wait, was the first one the one with Christy Swanson? Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. No, the first one was, was um, Kim Cattrall. Was Kim Cattrall. The sequel, Mannequin. Was Christy on- Swanson. Oh, there was yeah. a sequel, wasn't there? Yeah, that no one cared about or no one knew exists. Yeah, it's like we do not discuss it with outsiders. <laughs> That's right. But then again, isn't was isn't there like a uh, weekend at Bernie's three or something? Maybe I don't forget. How long can they have wrong. a movie about a dead guy? Jeez. Uh, I know. Well, I think by the third one, he's probably like, already like five or six know, seasons of The Walking Dead. And that's like that's a long time about a bunch of dead corpses walking around. Well, I guess, but we can imagine one by dead like guy. the third one, they're dragging like the half rotten corpse around. He's like already like green and necrotic and gangrenous. Oh, wicked. Now wait until you get the extreme remake where uh, it, it, it's all a severed hand, and all they have to do is get you know a pro- you know to get that raise, they have to put his th- thumbprint through one of the scanners or some shit like that. <laughs> oh my god! I, no, no, I'm I'm reminded. What was that scene in Demolition Man where um, Wesley Snipes takes the guy's eyeball and uses it to use it to open the retina scanner? Oh right, right. That's exactly what it sounds like. Almost. I was just no, talking no. to somebody on Twitter about. I think it was in Singapore. There was a fad for a little while to have uh, car locks that were unlocked with your fingerprint. And Mm -hmm. so for a while, there was this crime spree going on where people would take uh, car owners' fingers and then steal their car, like Mm -hmm. take their fingers. 
Wow, that's like uh, something out of a fucking like '80s like anime storyline or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it is. They they don't do that anymore. That's that unlookable level in uh, Streets of Rage Three. <laughs> oh got, wow! You gotta destroy the the, the dealers kill, cutting people's thumbs off. <laughs> yeah, that's nasty, but scary and crazy at the same time. Yeah, we live in a weird world, Robert. You know, we do. We live in a weird world, and we always discuss the weirdness. That's true. That's definitely true. While also educating and then killing the, those same brain cells we just educated. Yes. That's that, right. That's been, our, that's been our pretty much our topic to sure for about 90 episodes. 90 and going on. Definitely. Oh, wow. Why don't, why don't you uh, tell the listeners of Square Waves FM a little bit about your podcast? All right, Edgar? Well, uh, pretty much it started off, you know, with just, you know, me and a couple of friends, you know, Robert's sister and another friend of us, uh, Nick. That just discussed, you know, various things from the past. Like, I suddenly had an urge to just, you know, the pretty much what it, the Nostalgia Road Trip is, is talking about things that we remember growing up from our past. And re- and also by also by acknowledging certain ass, you know, actors, certain movies, you know, covering, you know, certain little bits of history is also involved, you know, on the making of these things or like, oh, did you know? Blah, 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 blah. It's like. It's the most random thing ever because there's from one minute we're talking about uh, the daily life of, you know, um, like uh, someone who goes through Tinder. And then we go through talking about 80s cartoons. And, so, you know, and somehow just it always goes back to Ninja Turtles. <laughs> somehow, yes. some way. And then it ends, you know, with us maybe at times going a little somber, giving, you know, appreciation to a fallen actor or actress or singer, someone that we knew. In yeah. our past, but basically to sum up the nostalgia road trip is basically like like I've always say it's a short bus, you know, a short bus ride through the wormhole that is pop culture. And <laughs> for us, it's basically just covering everything that we grew up with while also being like a bitter old man, you know, saying you know having that whole quote in my time it was better because blank. <laughs> and get off my lawn, you stupid kids! Of course. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I always appreciate. I always appreciate podcasts that uh, are are brave enough to kind of meander off the topic and stuff. That was kind of a, a formative idea in our own podcast. There's a lot of podcasts that are just about one topic where they specialize. And I kind of I, I enjoy when uh, podcast hosts will just kind of talk about whatever deserves to be talked about. That's it's the way to go. It, it's yeah. definitely more personal because it's something that someone shares like, hey, I remember growing up with blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, yeah, so do I. Whatever happened to. And then we go, you know, into the whole spiel. And then we, you know, especially when uh, it's a fallen actor or someone we knew, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, David Bowie, we cover yeah. his work. Uh, uh, um, we did um, Mr. Lee. Don't mention of Alan Rickman. Oh, uh, we're going to do that next episode. Yeah. We're doing that next episode. Yeah, Again, we just we watched Dogma yesterday. Boy, was Alan Rickman awesome. It was. He's he was so awesome. And I, was like, I, I was upset because I wanted be to go get um, Galaxy Quest and Robin Hood Prince of Thieves on DVD. And the store I went to, they had nothing of his. Dude, All movies were sold. I couldn't even find Dogma. I wanted Dogma too because my Dogma copy got lost. Mm. Dude, right? That's the only bad thing about when pe- so certain celebrities that are popular or people love die. Suddenly, everybody's got to buy the movies and DVDs, and then like, oh god damn it! I have to wait until they send out some more orders. Like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Harry, Harry Potter movies right now are doubling in some sales because of that. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I mean, I got them when yeah, they came sure out too. Not mm. a Harry Potter movie in sight when I went. Exactly. Not See, Harry Potter movie in sight. I figured. So that 
Galaxy Quest, and oh my god, wait until fucking Christmas comes in because you know copies of Die Hard are gonna be constant are gonna be oh, yeah. flying. Because oh, he was the big why? bad guy in Die Hard, wasn't he? He, he was. He was. I Hans forgot. Gruber. And and for me, Christmas does not start until Hans Gruber falls off the Nakatomi building. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. And oh, we gotta definitely do that. In like we end the episode, we just play Ode to Joy like that. <laughs> We have to do that. You know how awesome that is, though? That scene, like, that slow motion fall of his, it's just, like, so fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which is why they, it, it had to make some impact that in uh, Die Hard 3, they had to bring, uh, uh, was it, uh, Jeremy Irons to play Hans Gruber's, quote, quote, brother. Brother. Yeah. And they had to do the Hans Gruber flashback, too. Exactly. Did you guys, by the way, see that episode of King of the Hill with uh, Alan Rickman where... He, they go to a uh, medieval fair, and Alan Rickman is the king, and he's like this surly asshole of a guy, and he speaks I in his normal that voice. I love that episode so and much. His it, performance oh. is like so dry and witty. That's right. It's him to a T. But then at the very, very end, it's like he breaks his character uh, mm-hmm. of the king, and he speaks in this Texas a- uh, accent. That's mm-hmm. just classic hearing him do oh, that. Wait, I think I did see that one. He like he has yeah. to like choke out this this Texan accent. It's like dirt in his mouth to him. It's so funny mm-hmm. to hear it. So everybody, who's on your death toll for the next celebrity to go? <laughs> oh, hmm. Can we can we put Justin Bieber on there? Can we fast track him? Yeah, come on, let's fast track him. Although you know, if we're going with people who are already turned sixty nine, I know Donald Trump's a good contender for that. Oh God, we the world wishes that. No yeah. but you know he's not going to go. So, but on but on a positive note, he got into an argument with Polkaroo. Mm-hmm. What he did? Yep. How, but isn't that a one-sided argument, Pokeroo? Just goes Pokeroo, Pokeroo. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! Now that you bring it up, have we ever seen Donald Trump and Pokeroo in the same place at the same time? Because that would explain a lot. No, but they it did get into a Twitter things. argument. Oh. They got into a Twitter argument. I mean, no one. There's only one person who ever sees Pokeroo, and it was the woman who who always saw him. And the guy never saw him. Yeah, that's right. That scarred me deeply as a child. I must say. I laughed at the guy. He never saw him. But Very we saw suspicious. Him. Very suspicious. That's all I'll say. Quick, everyone, pro, you know, create a protective <laughs> barrier around Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart. I yeah. know. Put, 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 put them in Harrison. Put them in Harrison Ford and like all these other cool guys. Put Tom. Oh, put, uh, forget Tim Curry. Yes, put Tim Curry in the bunker too. Fuck Tim Curry. Why not? Why Tim Curry? Tim Curry's awesome. He's Gabriel Knight. Wait, 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 wait. Someone's dissing, you know, Skullmaster. Someone is dissing Darkness. Someone is literally, you know, even when he played that bad villain in The Mighty Ducks, the man with the (laughs) voice that every kid, you know, watching Disney at Pennywise, the concierge at the Plaza Hotel. I know, it. Oh, it's Pennywise? In that case, I changed my opinion. Why? why, Darkness. Gabriel Knight, too. He tried. He sure tried with Gabriel Knight. Fern Gully. Yes, Gabriel Knight. Come on. Oh, yes, he was in Fern Gully. He was the villain. Hexist. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That we swayed you over? Speaking of Fern Gully. Only because you mentioned Pennywise. I'm a Stephen (laughs) King fan, so. They all feel I grew up reading Stephen King. Yeah, in grade six, I'm. You know, when you have quiet time in school and uh, the teacher says, okay, bring out, take out your books. And all these kids are bringing out these little chintzy little t- tiny books. I had nice big, I brought, I brought out Stephen King in grade six. Ugh, that explains a lot too. <laughs> I switched you know between Stephen King and Sweet Valley University in grade six. <laughs> That's a very interesting combination. Why can't we have a crossover of those universes? You know what? I, I give you kudos 
Because to me, those Stephen King books were like thicker than the fucking Bible. Yeah. And for huh. someone to carry those shits, especially, you know, when you watch like the old like Time, Li- Time Life collection series of the Stephen mm-hmm. King, you know, uh, books, like those fucking books were massive. And it's uh. like... They have nothing on the George R. R. Martin books. Yeah, but and you didn't read those which, when you were I brought longer one to school with me. Jeffrey Archer's uh, Fifth Estate was longer. Hmm. George Railroad Martin? <laughs> George R. R. Martin. If you, ha- if you saw the copy of Game of Thrones that I had, have about a quarter, about a third of the way through, the, the pages changed numbers, and there was a and there was a duplicate printing of pages six hundred and twelve to six hundred and eighty, and then it then it resumed at the normal page after that. Yeah, that was cool. Your your copy of Game of Thrones had like a wizard's curse on it. You had to re- exchange oh, it. God. Yeah. I, I'm thinking though that George R. R. Martin is writing 2016 because he's like everybody's gonna bring off everybody we know. Yes, that's yeah. George R. R. Martin is in charge of 2016, isn't he? Damn. Yeah, really. So far. So far. Oh, you know what's good? Oh, he's probably the guy next. Which means that Game of Thrones, which means the, the sixth book will never be finished. Mm-hmm. And they'll print it with like a cliffhanger, a perpetual cliffhanger at the end with dot, dot, dot. And you'll never know what happens. Isn't he just waiting for the show to slightly catch up so he can finish the book? At least that's what I heard. Is he? <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know about that. I haven't heard about that either. Is no? there any slowing this guy down? He is like the Stephen King of... Uh... Well, yeah, he's, considering he's, how long did it take to finally get one of the other books, like a, a couple of years, and that wasn't until the show started that he yeah. finally released one of the other books? I think that's when, he, yeah, he started doing that. Like, you know, I think like a small handful of books were out, and then the show started, and then like, oh, wait, we're going to get another book out. <laughs> yeah, but even then, wasn't it like a seven-year gap or some shit like that? I think yeah. So, something like that. Hmm. I'm sorry, is, I, I tend to curse a lot. Is that all right? <laughs> that's quite all right on this show. Yeah. Oh, so, they made it clear that uh, the that starting season six, they're deviating from the books themselves. Yeah, so I hear. I'm not interested in the books or the show myself, but I did hear that the show is starting to kind of branch away from the books. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not really interested in Game of Thrones too much either. Just call me when Doctor Who starts again. I oh. gave that series a try. I need to get back into... Doctor Who. I watched it here and there as a kid, and not since. Oh, I, I never watched it. I started it. with um, with the Fourth Doctor when they used to run it on PBS here in the United States. Mm-hmm. And I used to watch it, you know, definitely with the Fourth Doctor as well mm-hmm. in Ecuador, my home country, Ecuador. <laughs> El Doctor Doctor Who. I know I, the best one was was Mexico. They had him called Doctor Mysterio. Ooh, <laughs> that's pretty classy. You know, because Doctor Who, who in Spanish is quien. So it'd be Doctor Kien, Doctor yeah. What, <laughs> Doctor What, exactly. That's not bad either, actually. That I like is... that one. I like that one, but the Mexican dub was the best. Doctor Mysterio. That is Doctor Mystery. That is sweet. You know that. You know, speak, going going to Doctor Who. You know there was a canceled cartoon that uh, not, that America was uh, developing. Elvada was going to animate. Elvada was really. What does yeah. America care about Doctor Who? Was he really popular? Everybody in cares about Doctor Who. I guess. I just thought he would be I, much more I popular overseas. That one in the, and the the Doctor's face actually looked like the chief from the Carmen San Diego cartoons. And the, and no, he even had like <laughs> he had the Egon Spengler real Ghostbusters he hair, had a little pompadour hair. Mm. And so then was, he wore he was the fucking chief from Carmen San Diego. And he wore a green jack, a green trench coat with a giant question mark in the center. And instead of a female companion, he would have a dog. He had canine with him. Yes, there you go. Yeah, he didn't oh, right. have a companion. He had canine. Right, the robot. Yeah, the robot dog. But yeah. heck, you know what? These days, they could probably get away with something like that. I mean, we've had uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd century. Have you know that cartoon? No, <laughs> oh, ouch. Is that as good as it sounds? Oh, yeah. It's a, it was a cartoon that they uh, 
Uh, apparently, they a uh, couple of kid detectives were able to bring back uh, Sherlock Holmes, you know, through a time portal, I believe. And and Watson is an android. <laughs> of course, on. because uh, reasons. You had to bring that one back up. I was like, why didn't you just bring up James Bond Jr. while you were at it? Or oh, that had a really catchy theme song, though. I love that song, that <laughs> opening theme. Yeah, yeah I'll, give it, I'll give you that one. Or um, what was the other one? The um, Defenders of the of the Universe or Defenders of the Earth? Defenders of the Earth. I love that cartoon, but I never understood one character. Which when is? When they introduced the Phantom, when they introduced uh, Flash Gordon, then they have Lothar. Who the oh, Mandrake the Magician. Lothar is Lothar is the um, the second in command to Mandrake the Magician. Yeah, but again, how they introduced them, everybody had a cool flash intro, like the Phantom, you know, mm-hmm. fuck, uh, and then you know, Flash Gordon, and then Mandrake, and then Lothar. And I know, and, and everybody, <laughs> anytime I look at those videos on YouTube, someone would always say, Lothar, question mark, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> like I said, Lothar was the assistant to Mandrake the Magician. They could have just said, black guy. <laughs> yeah. Nope, Lothar. That's what show thing. is this? I don't remember this. Defenders of the Earth. I don't think I know this one. Um, it was all the King's Feature Syndicate characters like Flash Gordon, the Phantom, uh, Mandrake the Magician, and a couple of others like fighting like all their villains like Ming the Merciless and all the other guys. Hmm. But it was yeah, basically it was kind of like the Ming crossover the event of King Features. Doesn't ring a bell. Oh, uh, it's on YouTube. So practically, all, so practically all the 1920s, 30s serial clips of yep. like Flash mm, Gordon and, and all these other heroes of that time turn into cartoon form into like an Avengers type of thing. Okay. Yeah. Hang on a second. I'm going to, I'm going to pull it up really quickly so you can see it. Let me find the Wikipedia page and I'll send it over. And here you go. You put it in the show notes. Shall do. Good man. Yeah. Defenders of the earth. Yeah. And again, people remember that fondly. I remember it, but I'm not too fond of it. I'm okay with it. Like, like the only reason is that it gave me the, they exposed me to the, the Phantom and the lore behind the character. I, you know, because you know that's also the thing about the Nostalgia Road Trip. Like we mentioned, maybe certain obscure things, and then like we go into it. Like you know what, from a first time experience, like hey, you know, I love them. I love mythology when it comes to certain things. Like just recently, I've always known about the Jewish mythology uh, character, the Golem. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And I love, I love that mythology behind it. That, you know, a clay statue that would defend its townspeople. And all you had to do is write a name, a specific, you know, put a name of, you know, what, you know. Yeah, write a command and, to do and put it in. Yeah, you know, I grew up Jewish and I never and learned I about this golem thing until I saw it on The Simpsons. And then it bars I out paper. The old silent yeah. film, like I, was, I remember watching it on cable access one time as a kid. Huh. And the weird thing is, you mentioned that silent film. There were three parts and the third one was never finished. Uh, it, it was made by the same director, black and white, silent film. It was, there were two of them that were able, that, that were uh, developed. The third one was in progress, but was never released. Um, and uh, I believe one of the parts, I think part two is, is available on Netflix, the, um, the 1915 um, Golem. Um, it was the one from 1920, the Golem, how he came into the world. Wow, that's yeah. like a golden age of cinema there. Yeah, that's like silent film. This is, yeah, this is the one. I'm going to find it. Here it is. I'll put it in Black and white. This is the one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Black and white. Ever, did anyone here ever accidentally call it gray and white, you know, because it actually had more shades of gray than black? I remember watching it, and it was kind of like uh, bluish, bluish, greenish tinted when I watched it. Oh, so you got a weird colored remastered version or something. Yeah, one of those ones that they would put on cable access with, like, the weird-ass, like, 
you know, synthwave soundtrack in the background, and you're like, whoa, it's kind of trippy. Oh, especially oh, with yeah. the colors that are always like, like yeah, five shades too like early when they do it. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, well, again, you know, they had to put some coloration because people, there are still people to this day that say, oh, it's black and white. I can't watch this. Or hey, it's subtitled. I can't watch this. Really? Yeah, it's Ted Turner sucking up to the lowest common denominator, right? Yeah, pretty much. If you want to see actually a really trippy black and white silent film, though, there was one I remember watching, which was like an early um, stop motion animation called The Adventures of Prince Ahmed hmm. by a German. Why did he get packed down at, at the TF at the, uh... oh, the TSA? <laughs> yeah. But this one was actually um, based on the tale of Aladdin and it was directed by a German director named Lot Reinger. And it's really weird because it's like all silhouette cut out animation with like all these like swirling colors in the background. And it was actually shot like that. Like she actually used color tinting to shoot it. Huh. Uh, uh, we're, we're going we're going back in time right now to like Harold Lloyd uh, fucking Buster Keaton shit. Now. Yeah. Uh, hey, <laughs> I, I watched some of that shit growing up on TV. So there you go. We're talking about shit we grew up with, right? Oh, sure. Buster That's Keaton it. was a ridiculous stuntman. Mm-hmm. No, but he was also a great filmmaker. Like oh, he was, yeah. definitely. When you when you think about how he yes he did those stunts live, but more importantly how he set up the camera of how to capture the entire scene. Like he was a very amazing you know visual director, like very very good on the eye when it comes to like perspective you know perspective shots. Like okay, let's do the joke in this angle and it'll work a lot better. You mm-hmm. know you know like um you know uh, it, it, it's why it's all it's pretty cool that. Jackie Chan, you know, literally one of the most famous martial artists right now, is uh, loves his type of comedy. And if you, you see that kind of stuff in all of the movies he ever did, right. like, there's always that slapstick comedy. And even, you know, that whole, you know, he does his own stunts kind of thing. Although, yes, half the time it looks like fucking it'll kill him. Um, but the fact that he was able, you know, inspiration comes from many, you know, angles and stuff like that. And if you're able to do it just right, it, it, it looks great. Oh, sure. Well, I've been, I've been lately listening to a podcast called Lost Treasures of Gaming. I've mentioned it a few times on our show. And it talks a lot about kind of the golden age of like the, the genesis of video games and of uh, arcade games. And it uh, interviews a lot of the programmers and designers. Like it was usually a one man project. You would do the art and the game and the design and the programming and everything. And they're talking about how it was kind of the Wild West where all of these you know, there was no such thing as a trope yet. They were sort of making it up as they went along, and it allowed for all kinds of creativity and uh, thinking outside the box and just defining uh, standards where there were no standards before. It's really yeah. exciting. It, this is this is becoming the podcast, the only podcast where we're becoming rapidly a film school and a video game school. Yeah, yeah but like I told you, we're running on the Super FX chip and, and blast, and blast processing. That's right. right. So and occasionally butted in by weird talking AIs from the 1990s. Yes, with Moon Tierra Magic on the side. Yes, and, and occasionally Dr. Spazzo trying to come in and be like <laughs> steal the spotlight. Oh, Dr. Spazzo, I think I had him uh, in the intro of our show on our very and first not show. Moon Tierra Magic. It's yeah, Moon uh, I, I, we, did a, we did a thing in episode 89. Sorry. I actually did like a couple of recordings of Dr. Spazzo and had him interact with Edgar. <laughs> he's a wise man, that Dr. Spazzo. I don't know yes. where he got his degree, but he's highly qualified. <laughs> yes, I, I think he got his degree from Eliza, didn't he? Oh, yeah, that's right. I think those two were in cahoots. They they, they seem to give a lot were. of the same advice. They possibly were. 
But it, it was fun to play with him back in the 1990s and to have him speak with that weird robotic voice and then do like the opening bumpers and then like the opening of one episode with him and just like, you know, Edgar mouthing him off was funny as hell. Of course. Yeah, he kind of goes haywire if you swear at him too much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no. We did one where I actually did like Edgar was talking and I was actually like typing his responses into Dr. Spazzo and then Dr. Spazzo's responses were just like really like weird and dry mm-hmm. and then, like don't get fresh and all that kind of shit. Yeah, that's right. He gets a little more testy over as time goes by. I had yeah, the Sound Blaster 1.0, which... Uh, and then it was like, if you keep on doing it, he, just does, like, he does like weird crash sounds. Yeah, that's right. Then he like, recovers. That's right. I had the, the Sound Blaster 1.0, which came with Dr. Spazzo and another one called Talking Parrot. I remember the Parrot too. And I had... Well, I didn't have the Sound Blaster 1.0. I had a Pro. Oh, yeah. I, I skipped over the Pro. Did I skip over the Pro? I don't remember. I think I might have gone from the Sound Blaster 1.0... Up to the 16? Yeah, I never had a 16. Uh, The only 16-bit card I really had was the Pro Audio Spectrum 16. Oh, yeah. They were almost completely compatible, weren't they? Uh, No. Pro Audio was a little bit different because that one, it could do like Sound Blaster-like, but it still had to have its own driver. So you still had to specify um, Pro Audio Spectrum in most DOS games uh, setup programs. Yeah, that's right. And it was there natively supported usually. Sometimes it was. I knew a few of the games that I did have did do it. Mm Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, I, I feel a little bit bad because Edgar, I know, did not grow up with DOS games like we did. I did not grow up with DOS games. I mean, you just, grew up with Nintendo. Oh, Bianca too. I grew up. Oh, uh, you're hey. talking to me? I kind of spaced out because I have us. no idea what you guys are talking about. Pardon us. We were just darkening out. Right here, sister. I don't. Need, I don't know. I just. I just. I just. I just stepped back and just let the cock measuring uh, DOS uh, <laughs> competition start. I know. Oh, I just God. had this dick wave you know continue. What? Edgar should meet Anatoly. <laughs> oh yeah, they'll have lots of cards. It's totally gonna meet Anatoly. Yeah, I'm sure they'll find Anatoly, many things in common. What? Our friend Anatoly, who is Dos Nostalgic on oh, Twitter. Yeah. Basically so like Dos games left and right, front and center. He's a movie oh, buff no. too though. Like I've done like there's another side podcast that I do called the Retro VGM Revival Hour. Right. Which is, is an hour worth of video game music, you know, dedicated to a specific theme, you know, composer. Or whatever, and I've done like uh, one computer episode, and uh, Robert has been able to guest star, guest host. I'm sorry, one of the other with the Lucas Arts, and yeah. you know, slowly but surely, I'm beginning to appreciate the music. Maybe not the game so much, but I'll take but the music. music itself. I wanted, yeah, I wanted to do um, if we can like get Anatoly, like you know, maybe me and him will just do the Daz episode, and we'll just put it together for you. That sounds fair. Word. It saves me workload because Lord knows, fucking editing. <laughs> Editing is the is a creator's worst nightmare. Yes, it, it, is. it is insane. It's like, and I remember when I had to sit there at like midnight, one in the morning, and I'm sitting there like slowly putting together the rest of the LucasArts episode, and I'm like, I'm about to fall asleep, and I'm like, ah, oh, oh no, no, I gotta do it, I gotta do it, I gotta get it out. No, the thing about it is always give yourself some kind of like cutoff time, like always, you know, literally, like, okay, I'm gonna edit today. All right, I want this done up by Friday or you know what? Okay, I have this much available hours. Let me use two, a couple of them there. Give yourself like uh, a specific time frame to do these things. Like, you know what? I'm going to give you an exclusive right now that I haven't uh, announced yet on the Nostalgia Road Trip or Retro VGM. So here you go. You guys are getting a, a nice exclusive. I'm currently um, working on a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles retrospective. Uh, the cartoon, the 80s cartoon uh, for the YouTube channel, uh, mm-hmm. Nostalgia Road Trip uh, YouTube. And uh, from then on, I'm going to work on more show-related retrospectives 
on cartoons that we uh, grew up with. Oh, uh, awesome. Second, ep- second episode being, you know, the real Ghostbusters cartoon. Oh, that's and, awesome. Uh, it's going to be called Saturday Morning Breakfast Mix. Um, I hopefully should have it done. I hope. I swear to God. I hope it's done by this, by either Wednesday or possibly maybe tomorrow, if be be. But um, I've been working on it like for a while now. And I've been able, I got the scripts, the scenes and everything. I've been able to, uh, like I told Robert prior to recording, um, you know, you write something that looks to be about two pages long. And then when you finally record it, it's about 10 minutes long. Uh-huh. But then when you put the video stuff behind it in the information, it looks like it's going to be half an hour long. Right, right. <laughs> yep. Oh, looking forward are, to that. Videos are tangible. You got to, you know, you got to watch them. You can't just listen to them only. Yeah. Oh. So there you go. An exclusive to you. Doing it to you guys for this, your show, where, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, people who've been following us get hyped, you know, about it. And for the new followers, hopefully that, you know, welcome aboard the hype train. <laughs> oh, you bet. Sort us out with a link once it's up and we'll be glad to put it on our show notes. Uh, if not this week, then next week. No problem. Thank you so much. I've got a whole bunch of cartoons on my list uh, of uh, oh. nostalgic oh. doodads. Uh, oh, right, no. Again, I'm going to cover everything that I remember growing up with. Like there mm-hmm. will be an episode dedicated to, you know, maybe fallen cartoons that only lasted a season, like um, like I mentioned, Inhumanoids or Sectars, or even the you know even the girly stuff like Rainbow Bright, Shira, you know, and stuff like that. Because again, no matter what, we all kind of grew up with them, whether we liked them or not. Some of them, some for some of us, we were able to change the channel and find something better. But for some of the rest of us, we had that Stockholm syndrome where there's nothing else on TV, so I'm gonna have to watch this season of Rainbow Bright or Care Bears and their Care Bear family. I think uh, every eighties, yeah. I think every eighties kid or nineties kid uh, remembers vividly, just like completely being completely vegged out on the on the couch, not wanting to stand up for any reason whatsoever, wishing to hell that there was something on TV, and just flip 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 flipping through like the same fifty channels over and over and over. <laughs> Okay, well, maybe I'm maybe I'm I'm uh, remembering like a, a later time. 20 channels at the most. Well, there channel. you go. But cycling through those channels over and over and over until finally settling upon whatever the hell cartoon might be on, no matter how the meaning. Oh, I actually never settled for Care Bears. I always kept flipping. <laughs> Although I did see a Care Bears movie and I think I remember it making me cry at the end. But I never watched the Care Bears show because that was beneath me. Now, wait. The Care Bears movie. Which Care Bears movie? Was it the Care Bears movie that introduced the Care Bear cousins and they fought that dark oh. uh, hooded villain? What's his name? No Heart. Yes, No Heart. That's that, I only remember the name. I remember – oh, I remember the cousins. Was that like they were they were other animals like the lion the bear, and stuff? The bear, the elephant, you know, the – Yeah. Other, the, yeah. The Care Lion. doesn't have the same ring as Care Bear. What were they called? I don't know. I just – I was like – no. They I can't even have anything but the just, Care Bears. Yeah, they were just called the Care Bear Cousins because if they call them by their names, it makes no sense. So, uh, uh, Lion Bear. Uh, Lion uh, bear. bear. Those are the stupidest possible names. What the crap? Lion Bear. No. That's what yeah, they only it's Lion because it ain't no bear. Problem. Ouch. <laughs> well, that's unfortunate. Well, I remember No Hearts, and I remember there being something sad in that movie, and it made me cry whenever it yeah. was that I saw it. But the funny thing is that movie is the movie that introduced the Care Bear Cousins and then they became part of the, the show itself. Oh, right. I found it. Hold on a second. Merchandising. 
Merchandising, merchandising, <laughs> where the real money from the movie is made. That's right. And the oh. weird thing is, you know, he was right. Freaking, he was right. He no, was right. Of course. No, but um, speaking of like again, back in the car, uh, 80s cartoons, like that, you know, there's some of some of them that we remember, some of them that we uh, were amazing, and then some of them were, that were upright bad. But we still, you know, whether good or bad, we still liked them. They were still, they're still in our minds ingrained no matter what. And sure. I've always told Robert this, like, we've become cynical old men right now at this age that we watch cartoons now. Like, ah, it ain't as good as it used to be. Like, the new, for like, the people who grew up in the 80s or even in the 90s, looking at, you know, the stuff that's happening now in cartoons or cinema or whatever, where we've become what our parents were during our time, you know, like, you know, like, oh, these video games will rot your brain or this cartoon is stupid. Like, why are you watching this? Sure. And now we become the same thing as like, you know, uh, well, except for the video game part, because, hey, guess what, mom and dad, you can have a career just playing video games. They're called fucking Let's Plays. And hell, there's a there's a company called IGN that literally pays people to play games and review them. And yeah. Exactly. And, like, and we've got, you know, video reviewers, too. And we know a few as well that do it. And, you know, I'm sure they make like a pretty cut doing it. Oh, sure. Yeah. Beauty I mean, um, who's a couple that we know? I know Lazy Game Reviews is one. Oh, sure. Uh, well, I think. Um, well, uh, there's oh, PewDiePie. He's like the the, the, uh, the grand poobah. See, mm. the weird thing is I've been able to avoid PewDiePie. Me too. And luckily, you know, I have other substitutes like. I follow Joe Walker and um, Space Kappa reviews. Yep, the backlog. Oh backlog. yeah, we like uh, to watch a guy named Cobalt Streak who predominantly just plays Binding of Isaac, but other things too. Yeah, you know, I follow. Uh, Jim, you know, I watch Jim Sterling. Um, also, um, Pro Jared. You know, some Screw Attack stuff. Oh sure, uh, there's Yahtzee. Actually, if you want to, uh, Megar, if you want to watch another one that's really good, Pushing Up Roses. Yeah, she is uh, good. She's very good. She's very good at what she does. She's also very. She makes it very enjoy. Like she's in. Oh, I'm sorry about that. She's very, um, very like humorous about it. Like she does it with like a very lighthearted approach. And wait, wait, wait. Sorry, were you just summoned by the Yoshi Clan? What the hell was that? The opening <laughs> to Yoshi's Adventure 64? What the fuck? No, was that? that was actually me just trying to bring up uh, Joe Walker's uh, YouTube channel so you could put it in the show notes. Oh, gotcha. You're making my. You're making this very easy for me. Thank you, bud. Oh God. It, no, but it's no. The weird thing is. I would I would love to subscribe to a good chunk of stuff, but again, there's like like if you were a kid, you have all the time in the world. If mm. you're an adult, you barely have enough. You like, have to balance your life, an mm. hour of your life to just settle down and do stuff like this. Like like I said, the editing process. Like I do this on my day off, whereas I'm spending my entire time on front of this laptop editing these things. I'm not done like by seven o'clock. By then, the day is done. What am I going to do? Uh, might as well play games and watch TV. Sure. <laughs> that fucking crash. And, and prepare for work the next day. Because <laughs> uh, I get I get kind of the same thing. Like, I come home and it's like, you know, we want to make sure like everything is taken care of because I got pets to take care of. I got to walk the dog, feed the dog, make sure he eats, you know, make sure everything is like up and running again. before you go. <laughs> and then like you get a little chance to play games and you're kind of like, I'm too tired. I worked all day. Yeah, been there. Hard. But then it's like I, I'm also like focusing on Steam games, and it's like that's what's taking up a lot of my game time is Steam. Sure, I've been disappointed in myself. Usually at the beginning of each uh, show, we talk about what we've been, we've been playing each week, and at least since the new year, it I've, I've had less and less. Well, we can we can do that real fast, I suppose. Oh yeah, why don't we do that? Usually we open up each show by talking about whatever we played this week. 
Mm-hmm. For the past week. Yeah, except right. well, uh, um, you didn't do guess, it. Uh, who wants to go first? Why don't you go ahead first? All right. All right. So uh, let's see what I've been playing. Well, all right. Um, I, I've been playing actually the one game I've been playing a lot has been Skullgirls on Steam. Oh yeah. I've seen you playing, playing that a bunch. My goodness. The animation in that game. Yeah. That game is absolutely beautiful to watch in motion. I mean, like it is like hand-drawn animation. It is like silky smooth animation. The, the soundtrack too, like especially a lot of the stages were composed by uh, Michiru Yamane. Incredible soundtrack. Absolutely incredible. And her, her tracks, I swear, could perfectly fit in a Castlevania game. Yeah, they could. They're kind of they're kind of upbeat. I don't know if Castlevania is usually so dancey. No, uh, actually no. there is, and I've covered an episode of you know for Retro VGM covering Castlevania music, and some of it is like stuff you can probably play at the club. It is, <laughs> and but actually we should you should do one about uh, Michiru Yamane specifically because if you listen to Skullgirls, there's one track, one of the stages is um, the little intimate stage, which is Misfortune stage, mm-hmm. and that track is just so catchy i swear i listen to it i'm thinking i'm i'm thinking it's a castlevania game hmm. it's got that it's got that vibe that's like just so castlevania like well the music and the art fit each other really well and what i appreciate about the art and the animation is that they're they're mm-hmm. like equally cute and creepy because it's really like disturbing creepy gushy alien mushy animations yeah. very fluid and, and especially like some of the characters like you know, Painwheel is unsettling to watch, especially the way that she like rides and kind of like jerks around like the way she does. Yeah, it's like Japanese horror kind of style. Yeah, and especially too, like the the actress that does the voice does it like that low throaty growl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, if, um, one of her one of her supers is um, when she does like this thing, like it's called like the hatred install, and she basically like, what she does is like she kind of like winds up and then she throws her chest down and she screams and like purple energy like bursts all around and she's screaming like, get out of my way! That was terrifying. It is. Uh, it's extremely any- terrifying to listen to. Hey, Robert, have you uh, played the, the demo they had of their, the next game they're doing? Was it called Indivisible? Which um, is like an action RPG kind of thing. Oh. I haven't been able to because it's Windows only currently. Actually, if you have a PlayStation 4, you can download the demo. And uh, on- might be, it might be our next investment. might be a PS4. But uh, play it. It's really good. They, oh, no. I've been actually looking at the footage of it. It looks gorgeous. And they and they even take some tropes from some weird other religious things. Like they have the, was it the Taiwanese vampire, which is just a floating head with the guts? Oh, yeah. Um, no, no. That's not the Taiwanese. That's the uh, Malaysian, the Penangalang. Yeah. They actually have that as a character that you fight. And it's like an action RPG. Like if you ever play Kingdom Hearts, it's kind of mm-hmm. like that. But it's done in that, you know, that Skullgirls art style. So it's so great, so smooth, so fluid. Oh, and damn. Just, I'm just yeah. looking it up on their Indiegogo site. It's beautiful. Yeah. I was actually going to say, though, the um, the art, the uh, battle system actually oh. reminds me more of Valkyrie Profile. Oh, that's the, that's the, the other one I was thinking of. But yeah. Kingdom Hearts is people would know that more, you know. Yeah, because like, the, real, like, the real-time, like, button-per-character type of motions that – um. The Kingdom Hearts did, um, but I remember it better from Valkyrie Profile. Robert, remember when you're mentioning something that people might not know, you got to bring up something that everybody will know, so then they can understand what you're saying. <laughs> uh-uh. Of course, they have to do that. Of course, they have to do it that way. Is but, that yeah. done with your next game thing? What? Oh, oh yeah. So um, next game I've been playing. Um, I picked up a bunch of Steam games, and one of the, one of the other ones that I found kind of weird but kind of interesting at the same time was um, Thirty Flights of Loving. Oh, I love that game. That's like a very interesting storytelling experiment. It wait, is. Wait, it sounds like a Japanese romancing game show. What? Actually, it isn't <laughs> it's kinda, quite. It's um, kind of Quentin Tarantino-y. 
<laughs> it, it's basically it's like a it's like a heist like um you play like a nameless spy and you have like two accomplices and you go up on like this heist and it does like a lot of like slam cuts like a tarantino movie and basically it does like this little like backstory to like what what led up to the heist and then like what happened afterwards and it's like you know one of the parts is like you got like one of your accomplices it's like you've got to walk him through this crowded airport and he's been like shot and you got to walk him through this crowded airport and then you got to find like a cart to put him on to get him out of the airport. And then it ends with like a police shoot down with like a police like showdown with like, you know, cameras coming down and like you got to shoot them all down. And then like you go outside and the police just gun you down and it slam cuts back into like, you know, them on the road on a motorcycle. And then like a car comes and hits one of the people, one of the motorcycles and it slam cuts into like a museum. It sounds like something out of John Woo. But when you look at it, it's like all blocky and adorable, kind of like Minecrafty. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very sounds, surreal. It sounds like Gogol 13 meets uh, Crying Freeman. Oh my gosh, it is like Gogol 13. Yeah, the- and, and Tarantino directed both. <laughs> exactly. Really? Except the whole game is only like 20 minutes long, isn't it? Yeah. It's like it's this still story. Like for 20 minutes long, it's like it does a hell of a fucking story. Yeah, I love that movie a lot. I seem to remember trying to run it on Windows 10, and it's like one of two games that I've ever tried that wouldn't work. I, I was playing it on my Mac, and it runs great on there. I might have to do it on a virtual machine or something like that. But I had a great time. That made a really like lasting impression on me. It did. And it was like I, I was like really surprised. Like you know, and it's like it uses a Quake Two engine, and it's just like it still looks oh. really good even on an old engine. Wow, that that engine must have been like fifteen years old or twenty years old by the time they used it for that game. Uh, about about fifteen years old. Yeah, crazy. Uh, yeah. Um, let's see other games I've been playing. Well, um, during Christmas, I actually beat Parasite Eve again, mm. which is a great game. And I really recommend if you guys have a PlayStation or like any way, just like get the game and play it. It is really, it's just really awesome. Is that a survival horror? It sounds familiar. Um, it's like a survival horror with some RPG elements. Yeah, because you have to wait until your meter builds before you can do the attack, but you can still be able to free, you know, move around freely. So at least you can avoid the attacks. Yeah, that's and interesting. You have, like a, you have like a range of attack, like depending on the gun that you have equipped, you have like a range of attack. But your enemies are constantly moving around too. So it's like you might have them, like you might have a beat on them, and all of a sudden they might like zip around behind you, and you just suddenly loot, you know, you suddenly miss. <laughs> so it's like it, it's like. Part RPG, part survival horror, um, really awesome soundtrack, really awesome atmosphere. Um, and it's one of those characters, like um, the main character, Aya, it's like, it's just her alone against a whole bunch of like mitochondrial evolutionary mutants. Hmm. Whoop. Did we lose you? You still there? He, you might have lost him. He, he probably went off the, he went off the scale. He went off the rails. <laughs> I guess so. I, I'm listening to the Blue Cup Tools podcast a lot. Uh, All right, am I back yet? Oh, you're back. You're back. Right. Yeah, the, the, the New York the internet, internet access is pretty bad. Oh, yeah? So where was I? So, yeah, um, great atmosphere, great character, great music. Um, I will really recommend checking out the soundtrack. It is just, like, mind-blowing. Very crazy, inorganic, electronic soundtrack. <laughs> Parasite Eve. Uh, yep. the, uh, con- uh, with uh, of course the music composed by uh, Yoko Shimomura. So yes. definitely good. Oh. excellent job, excellent job she did. And it's a PS One game, you say? Yes. Yeah, that's a classic. I haven't played it. I, I'll, I'll look into it. Oh, it's- sorry, oh. sorry, intrude, but uh, uh, part of the Retro VGM revival. Uh, if you join the Facebook group, yes, I'm pandering to myself. Um, if you Please. join the Facebook group of the Retro VGM, uh, you do qualify to win like retro games. 
And one of the games I'm going to give away soon is going to be like a whole PS1 a PS1 system with some games, and one of the games I'm giving away are is going to be Parasite E. Damn, that's quite a contest. <laughs> Again, oh yeah, uh, I'm going to, usually how it goes is I have something, I post it on the group, and all they have to do is just comment. And then I, from there, I pick the top three, and there's a second and third prize. You know, so it, uh, I haven't done it for a couple of months because I've been having some financial problems. But I'm uh, like in about two weeks, I'm going to start it back again. Starting off with, oh, here's another exclusive. I'm giving away Amiibos. Oh, are Amiibos. Yeah, I got, I got Pit. I got Sonic. I got the two 30th anniversary Marios. One with the white gloves, one without. I got all these other things that I'm going to give away. Nine. I'll give you a pit for an Ike. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm also getting a net. I already have a, I have a NES, a Wario just recently. You know, so I'm getting a whole bunch, uh, which I'm going to give away um, uh, for like the top three. They get the first one will get to choose which one they want. And the other two will get the other t- uh, two that they don't want. But, you know, pretty much everybody, everybody's going to probably, you know, hopefully win an, an Amiibo each from me if they join the Facebook group. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and also cool. give me five stars on iTunes. <laughs> a winner oh. every day. Exactly. Oh, I'll give us the link and we'll put it in our show notes. I, I keep hearing about Amiibos. Are they are they just like a collectible little standy figure or do they do something else? Well, um, they, they, they kind of do two functions. Go, go ahead, Robert. You know this more than me. Okay. Um, they kind of do two functions. Yeah, they're like collectible standy things. And um, for certain games, they actually unlock content. Um, for Smash Brothers, you can use the Amiibos to like create your own custom fighters and then train them and use them against um, other people. Okay. So yeah, that's like, about... So like if you fight the AI and the AI's difficulty is not that good, you your amiibo will actually learn. So when you play just by yourself, it'll actually give you a challenge. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And also again, it unlocks you know features uh, like certain stages, certain um, you know challenges, and you know certain outfits. I mean, just recently they released the Shovel Knight amiibo. Um, you know from that amazing game Shovel Knight that's available practically everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, oh, and. And yeah, then speaking of that, like, that was another game I've been playing recently too. The Shovel Knight. Oh god! Yeah, Shovel Knight is excellent, and it's on Steam. I haven't played it. I've seen it. You like jump around and bounce off of people and stuff with your shovel. Do you have a 3DS? I do not. We have a regular. We have the DSi. That's the last one we yeah, we bought. But um, it is on Steam, so they can still play it. Yeah, and it's available on every system, and it's only like fifteen to twenty bucks, depending uh, which version you get—the physical copy or the the uh, you know. The downloadable one. It looks like a really yeah. solid, like 16-bit style Super Nintendo kind of a action platformer. Kind of, kind of more like an 8-bit, like a really, like really, really fancy 8-bit game. Mm. It's it's what happens if Mega Man crossbred with the uh, Ducktales game from Capcom. Oh damn, that's and a, a really good combination. And Little Zelda too. <laughs> exactly. Ducktales is the very first uh, Nintendo game I ever owned. That is Which a beautiful one? game. The first DuckTales game for NES. That is a beautiful game. I love that game. That is one of my favorite games ever on the system. One of my favorite soundtracks too. Oh yeah. And uh yeah, um bragging rights here. I actually own both both versions, both DuckTales one and two and um on the Famicom. Oh wow. I don't think I ever played and the I second have, one. These versions of both. Hmm. Sweet. On the Famicom, uh, yes. that's beautiful. Uh, I will soon own the original NES DuckTales 2. I just gotta wait. <laughs> nice. Uh, I only have DuckTales 1 on the NES. I don't have DuckTales 2 on the NES. Oh again, uh I have connections now with uh with a dude who's uh, every day you know, sending me uh, games per week. So I'm getting like slowly but surely 
buying him out of his old collection, and one of his collections is Chippendale 2 and DuckTales 2. Mm. Jesus, he's got, like, all the rare stuff. I saw you got Monster Party, too. Dude, I got a box Monster Party, and I got all three boxed Castlevanias. I got Bucky O'Hare box. With Did you say Bucky? Bucky O'Hare. You can't get Bucky O'Hare, you know, and that game is like almost a $200, $150 already by itself if you get it complete. That was yeah. a good one too, wasn't it? He has like a laser yeah, gun or something? Very, very good. I think it was like those guys that did Bucky O'Hare later on went to form Treasure. Mm. Exactly. And again, this was during the era of Konami when the, everything they were making was fucking gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like and that was also the era of them like, you know, winding down their NES tenure and going on to the 16-bit era. That was one of their last games. Yes, you're right. Yeah. I think their very last game was Tournament Fighters. Yes, it was. Oh, the, the Ninja Turtles one? Yes. That was a really good one. That was like a Street Fighter 2 style one. I actually have all three versions of it. I didn't know there were three versions. Oh, yeah, there was like the something NES, edition. NES, Super NES, and Genesis. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was a really good game. What, mm. What's the best one? The SNES, I imagine. Super NES is the best one. Yeah, it's bigger. Yeah, the, the Genesis one has like really, like really crappy AI, which is either like way too easy or way too hard. And the NES one is kind of fun, but it's like a little bit stiff at times. It's like it's really pretty to watch, mm. but it feels kind of stiff to play. There's a really good uh, YouTube series I like to watch called Let's Compare, where they have the same game on a bunch of different platforms, and they give you a little playthrough of I, each one. I think I've seen that one. Uh, I, I, I've seen that one when he um, Let's Compare one about uh, wrestling games, how WrestleMania the arcade game is different for each version. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it depends on the strength of the platform, too. Very, very much so. Anything else, Robert? Um, last one I was playing besides Shovel Knight is A Golden Wake. Oh, how do you like that one? I love it. I actually love the old nineteen, the old nineteen twenty style Miami atmosphere. It's like it. It's like kind of like a Miami. I don't really know, mm. even though I was born there. But it's like I love that old style atmosphere. And I was like, oh wait, I know the name of the street. I know the name of this area. And it's like you kind of see like the old developing Miami and like how it came to be. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's where uh, Francisco Gonzalez grew up as well. Um, I, I can imagine because it's like basically like this is somebody who knows Miami very well. It is. <laughs> it's it's a very heartfelt kind of recreation of that sort of an era. And it's such an atypical protagonist and like the, there's no antagonist in the whole game, no, which is really no cool. No, there's nothing of the sort. It's just basically make real estate deals and just like make your way through the world. That's right. I, I like that game very much. It's very unique. Yeah. I wouldn't expect anything less from Wadjet though. Yeah, no kidding. Well, that was uh, Francisco's first game for that uh, for that uh, publisher, so he had big shoes to fill. Yeah, but awesome job. He did an awesome job, and yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. And I'm glad it's cross-platform, too. I just want the last two Blackwell games to be fully cross-platform so I can beat the damn series already. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I think uh, they're moving on to the newer version of Adventure Game Studio, which is much better for cross-platform. Yeah, because I, I can only play the first three, and I can't play the last two. Oh, what a shame. I'm, I'm sure that's coming. I think they have those on mobile if you get desperate to play them yeah. on some form. I know that, um, I know that um, Dave Gilbert's wife is the one who's doing all the cross-platform work, and I know that she was sick for a little while and you know kind of cut into her time to do it, but I know that she's better now, and you know, so. hopefully everything comes through soon. Oh, all the best, Janet. All the best, Janet. Hmm. So uh, I guess, be- uh, Edgar, your turn. Yeah, Edgar. Oh, well, recently, I like I said, I collect uh, retro games, but I also play new games. And uh, one of the most recent games was uh, Transformers Devastation for PlayStation 4, just because I'm an 80s kid. And they were in Platinum Games have been able to capture that 80s feeling of watching an episode of Transformers and just letting you beat up 
the, 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 from the first stage when you beat Devastator to fucking Megatron. It's like it, it, it it's like flawless in that way. Yeah, it's luckily I bought it on sale because I wasn't gonna pay fifty to sixty bucks. I paid for thirty, but I really enjoy that. I uh, that aesthetic that it's so eighties. It's so good. And um, that it, in the art style that they were able to capture that 80s uh, generation one art. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's fun. It's definitely, if you like, you love beat em ups. I love beat em ups. Any beat em up you give me, I will play it to death. Whether it's, you know, uh, God Hand, which is a game I, 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 I treasure so much. Oh, God. God Hand. I, guys, God Hand, you guys have to play because I've never laughed so hard during a game. I have not played this one. Oh, it's uh, PS2. It's a third-person oh. third beat-em-up. It's done from a third-person perspective, but you know, it, but it also has like leveling up abilities. You can change your characters' uh, fighting styles, you know, anytime when you can. It's like fun. And cr- it's like if Fist of the North Star was a full parody of itself. It literally has that. As, you know, it takes hints from like Fist of the North Star. You fight the Power Rangers, but they're midgets. You fight a gorilla wearing a luchador mask. Yes, the best part of the game is right there. <laughs> That's silly. Oh, and the protagonist is a complete asshole, and he knows it. Oh yeah, he's a but he's the he he he's a parody of all those silent, quiet guys who stand in the background and just you know uh, 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 just do nothing except just stand there, look cool, and cross their arms. Yeah, sounds like a sort of fifty one kind of game. He's, he's loud as hell. He's brash. You know, and he's got this girl who's following him around who basically once in his pants, but it's like doesn't go that way mm. for her anyway. Another game that I re- again uh, back to the retro game font was is um, Bucky O'Hare for the for the for the NES, and uh, definitely enjoy it. Not also because it's also a very high priced game, but also the fact because it's a fun game platformer where you can change characters on the fly. Um, another, like, I, I, uh, just recently, um, again, I, I play a lot of, like, I play whatever. Like, I still I have all my systems still set up. I played, uh, just yesterday, uh, Resident Evil for the Sega Saturn. And it's oh, again, oh. the Saturn port? I have the Saturn port. But here's the thing I have a modded Saturn where mm-hmm. it enables me to just flip a switch and I'm able to play all the Japanese games without the, the, mm-hmm. Pro action replay thing you need to add. I, well, I had the same thing when my mm. Saturn was working. I had the same thing. It's just a, a dip switch because all the settings are the region settings on the Saturn. It's just jumpers. Oh. All it does is just switch the jumpers to like either setting. Oh, is there a dip switch on the Saturn itself? You have yeah, to open it up. Um, basically, what it is is that um, when you do the Saturn mod, is that you wire a little switch, like a dip switch, to the jumpers on the board, mm-hmm. and when you flip it like one direction or the other, it actually will close the jumpers according to either region. Interesting. So it's the yeah. same hardware regardless. It's just that one little yep. setting. That's neat. And again, there's nothing. <clears throat> yeah, people complain about the tank controls of uh, Resident Evil 1, but it's still so much fun. And it's just the bad voice acting will always trump anything good. It's just like it's so bad it's good. Is there any I mean, Saturn game with anything but bad voice acting? Um, Not that I can think of. I doubt it. Well, I guess if you can't... Uh, no, the Lunar games did not come out in English over here for the Saturn. They only came out for the PlayStation in English. Oh, the RPG CD. games. Remember, yeah. Lunar, both Lunar titles came out for the Sega CD, and they still had the best phenomenal voice acting of that time. Oh, yeah, and most of the actors reprise the roles for the PlayStation ports in English. Exactly, exactly. Mm. 
Um, and like recently, I'm just trying to track down some more old titles that I just want to play. Like, cause the thing about it is like, it's also capturing like the stuff that I wasn't able to get. Because again, it, for many of us, it was a trip to the video store to get, you know, to play the newest titles or titles you never played. And now as an adult, uh, I'm slowly turning my, my house, my apartment into like a video display. And I can now understand, like, before I used to like, you know, like, oh, like, just give me a loose copy. But then under, I, I kind of understood the appeal of having, like, a box copy because it brings you back to that. Although, yes, it does cost maybe $100 more. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a huge investment. That's I, what, I mean, like, I'm not as picky because, you know, I also don't have as much room. So I don't mind getting, like, loose copies of certain games because I can easily put them in a shoebox and then I can just put them away, like, stack them up. And sure. then, like, take out the box when I'm ready to play. Yeah, sure. but then there's their appeal of how you see those, you know, see that shelf, see that bookcase, and you put, you know, on its side, uh, put those games on its spine and yeah. seeing those. It reminds you of the video store days where you just saw the title, you picked at it, you looked at the back and like, oh, yeah, I, this is one I want to play. Yeah, you know? I mean, like, if I had, yeah, if I had a huge apartment with, like, a lot of space, I'd get those floor-to-ceiling shelves, mm. and let's just dedicate shelf space to all the games, all the boxes. Well, there's something special about browsing through shelves, kind of looking at titles one by one, and then deciding which one you want to pick up, and having to pick it up and carry it over, and it actually takes time to put it in. It makes you appreciate what you have a little bit more. It does. It does. I mean, like, I'll, I'll, most of my games, like my PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, like, all my, like, current generations of games, and a couple of generations back are all complete in box. Like, mm -hmm. those I insist on. Like, cartridges... You know, it varies. If I can get it for a good price, I'll get it. But if I, it's going to cost me an arm and a leg and I don't have that much money, I'll try to get what I can get. As long as two things. One, it doesn't look like a dog chewed up on it. And two, I can plug it in and I'm assured that it works. Sure. And seriously, who doesn't want a copy of uh, Wizards and Warriors 2 with Fabio on it? Come on, man. <laughs> That's Fabio right. And his glorious hair. If you look at his glorious hair... Before, you know, a pigeon apparently homed in on it and smashed it. NES covers are something special, that's for sure. Yeah, and especially when they were more creative back in the day. Like, they did some weird-ass things. Like, you know, I know, like, people make fun of the Mega Man box art, but there's just something, like, so bizarrely endearing about that box art. But, you know, oh, yeah. same can be applied to, like, when you go to the video store and wanted to watch a movie. Like, uh -huh. you would watch... Like, um, Dragon, no, Sword, um, where's that Roger Corman, Conan knockoff, um... Oh, fuck, I forgot. Um, I remember Deathstalker. Deathstalker. When you look at those covers for these amazing Frank Franzetta, like, art, and you would rent, you know, this movie, and then you realize, and then when you, you know, watch that movie, it's like something not even near what that cover advertised. It's like it's like the mystery box. Like every time you went to a video store, it was always awesome. Yeah, it like, was. You would watch, like you would see this cool cover of this man with his ripped shirt fighting dragons, and then when you put the game in, it's fucking Pog or something. <laughs> it's fucking ping pong. Oh sure, it's the same with cutscenes in old PC games. They would put like. 80% of the size of, of, of a video game's installed size would be cutscenes, like video clips or high-resolution art or something, and that's what they put on the box. And then you play the actual game, and your character is like 12 pixels in total. Oh, and I see you sent an image of the anticipation game for the, for the NES. That I did. I, I, I own love, this one. It's a great game. I love, I love cheesy crap mm. like that. The box is super <laughs> no, cheesy, that, but it's a good game. It's so hilarious in anticipation. Mm -hmm. It's a good game, though. It's kind of like a Pictionary board game kind of a thing. The only thing that's annoying about it is that you have to type 
with the NES controller, so you like scroll through the alphabetical order, like alphabet. It takes a, it's a, a lot of stress uh, just typing out the word that you want to, and it's yeah, timed, and, of and course. Yeah, and it's like you're waiting for that's like you're trying to do it before the timer counts down. Yeah, it's like it's yep. even more maddening. But I was like, yeah, that cover art with everybody's just like all like woo ah, like everybody like smiling and like going like oh my god, like how tense can it be to actually play that game? It is well, yeah, I know, but this is officially like the whitest box in every possible sense. It, it looks it like is. a rejected cover to a full house. Uh, yes, <laughs> to the, the full house pilot. It does. It, does. it looks like a, it looks like some comedy, like some weird friends, like comedy show pilot that got rejected. Exactly, exactly. It looks like something '80s that was canceled before its time. But it said, "Oh, we have all this stuff footage. Ah, put it for this game." Half, half all the, the bad part is half of all these people are probably dead <laughs> or in prison. Oh, or I know. Like They're probably walking with canes. No, you know what's even more screwed up is finding out that Rare developed this game of all people. Oh, they they developed a lot of stuff. I mean, hello, LJN, a good chunk of its library as bad was as Rare. Or Bit Studios or whoever those other people were. Exactly. You know, so, hey, everybody has a start somewhere, no matter what it is. I suppose so. Mm. No, but it's like, it was even more screwed up. Like, I remember when we were, you know, reading about, like, some of the horror movie uh, video games that came out on, um, on the NES. And one of them, we realized, was developed by Atlas. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, they had to start somewhere, too. Actually, I think mm. Atlas developed a couple of games for LGN. The Karate Kid. I thought so. Atlas mostly did like simulation games, didn't they? And like strategy. And then they started doing some RPGs and stuff. And then they yeah. became like, a big time publisher. And they're part of Sega now, apparently. I'd like to see this Karate Kid game. Oh, God, don't. No. If anything, if anything just go watch the Angry Video Game Nerds uh, video about it. <laughs> That's all you need to know. <laughs> oh, God. That game was actually like. That game was actually really shit. I got to admit. And I remember playing that a lot as a kid. Anyone who can beat that game gets a high five from me because that game is beyond difficult. Once you I, get past the tournament stage, which is like the first stage, mm-hmm. and then you move on to Japan, it's like, what the hell? People, you know, uh, spawning out of everywhere just trying to kill you. You barely get a punch in. Well, that's basically no, no, what the movie is, to, too. I got up to the final stage. and Oh, the hurricane? No, 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 not the typhoon. There's one more, which is the, to- the festival. Oh, God. Oh. Everybody's trying to put the shit out of you. Maybe I no, did play this. Point, they are re- they, Edgar, by the final stage, everybody takes actually two hits to kill. And is all this, you do is take three and you're done. Is this the yeah. game where um, you're standing in the middle and there's these, like, objects flying towards you from both sides and you have to hit them up or down? That's oh. one of the, the, the segment stage. Once you beat a yeah, stage. Yeah, one of the bonus stages. Oh, yeah. that's as far as I ever made it. I did play this. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> and, and the third stage is the typhoon where, like, the wind is blowing you back and you get, it's like it fucks up your jumps. And but the final stage is, like, all the enemies have double health and the final boss don't even bother. The final boss is just like, you know, forget it. You know, he will actually, you actually die if he knocks the girl into the water. What? Does this have anything to do with the movie? It kind of does because that was a that was a Japanese girl that Daniel was falling in love with, mm. and remember, like the final boss was um was chosen, and he's like he goes fucking crazy, and he's like he puts a knife to her throat and you know challenges challenges Daniel to a duel. Okay. And then um the final boss is that if Daniel does not touch her occasionally, he will knock her into the water and kill her, and you lose a life. Well, that'll teach him for not touching her occasionally. Yep. 
Well, that's my again. I'm a retro gamer kind of stuff. Uh, what other game? What games have you played, Brian? Oh well, we we've um, accomplished the uh, unprecedented feat of keeping the word the birds awake, but putting the wife to sleep. Basically, yeah. Come back and tell us what you played this week. Oh, uh, I can participate now. I can actually figure out what you guys are talking about. Absolutely, you can. Let, let us know what you've been playing this week, dear. A bunch of stuff that everyone knows. I've already routinely played. Oh, nothing new. Um, what's this? No, wait. Um, Have any of you guys played Undertale? Oh, I, I'm almost on Undertale. Are you doing the genocide run or the pacifist? I am pacifist. Cool. Then I, you get the true ending. Okay, that's good to know. Don't spoil anything for me. I think I'm right near the end. No, don't. I'm not going to spoil for it. But if you do go with the, the other run, the, 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 the one that you kill everyone, right. it is heart-wrenching. Oh, okay. Well, I, 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 it's a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. So I will replay it, but not for a while. I think I'm like eight or nine hours into that game already. It's such yeah. a good game. I really, really like that game a lot. Yeah, I got to pick it up a little bit more. The only machine I have that runs it is my Mac. Mm. Well, well that's I've a good seen one. enough Let's Plays to see about it. But um, I just recently, like I said, I follow Game Grumps. I also follow uh, Best Friends Play. And Green Grumps right now are doing the genocide run and it's hard it is heartbreaking i'll tell you that yeah. like when you know you know meeting like meeting of all these characters that you loved and they're hilarious like what what game right now has gotten such a quick and ever-growing expansive following just like that game i don't think there's ever been a game like that that i don't know where has touched so many people and i mean to the point that it literally does now, it, it touches so many people that a community is getting bigger and bigger by the day. People submitting fan art on Twitter, on Tumblr, and all that stuff. Sure. And all these characters, like Papyrus, is becoming one of the most famous characters right now in the world of social media. Oh, I love Papyrus. He's so cute. Everybody loves fucking Papyrus. <laughs> I, I got to say, Undertale, I'll, I'll probably put it really quickly. Undertale is earthbound for the 20th century. It for kind the of 21st is. century. It kind of is. Well, it's amazing that it's a one-person game for the most part. All right. Um, guys, just give me one moment. I'll be right back. Okay, sure. <laughs> After these messages, we'll be <laughs> right back. <laughs> oh, no. Um, but, you know, on the subject of Undertale, it's like, I, 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 and I also love the community, be it whatever it is. It's like, it's so positive because the game promotes that. Oh, unless you do the genocide run, of course. But if you do the pacifist run, everybody, from what I see, it's all positivity. It's like, it's you true. don't see that much on the internet. Yeah. Like, yeah, you see guys like PewDiePie and all these other negative aspects that, you know, uh, channels or whatever groups. And, like, you realize, like, you know, we're do, you know, people do like positivity. And, you know, as bad as what me and Rob talk about from, you know, sending dick pics and talking about, uh, 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 group, you know, dating groups. Like, you know, uh, you know whatever, uh, clickbait and all that other stuff, chatterbait and all that weird thing. And then talking about 80s movies and all that stuff. We still, by the end, try to keep it positive no matter what. Because there's so much negativity around that, you know, you know, there's a reason why the Bob Ross Twitch stream yeah. has become like the most popular thing ever on Twitch because guess what? It promotes positivity. It's it, it's long. There's so much negativity in the internet, especially well, the internet. Back, guys. Mm -hmm. So what did I miss out on? Bob Ross. No, that, you know, positivity that 
you know, how that, you know, the, the Bob Ross Twitch stream was very popular. It's like highly watched because it promotes positivity. And there's like, there's not much positivity in the world of the internet these days that you and I, especially in the Nostalgia Road Trip, no matter what we discuss, as crazy as it is, that we still bring it back to the positivity before we end the episode. Always do. Always yeah. do. Yeah, that's right. We, we do our best. Sometimes something is going to grind our gears or get our goat or one of those other G alliterations. But, oh, like, uh, uh, like uh, Microsoft Antics. Like what? <laughs> like Microsoft, oh, Microsoft Antics. Antics. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I went on such a, such a rant about uh, OneDrive, didn't I? Yes, you know what? You know, we're here to celebrate. I go. (laughs) (laughs) You know what really cheeses my crackers? (laughs) What the hell? Velveeta? (laughs) Hopefully not. Hey, Robert, do you have some Werther's original in your pocket? Because you sound like an old man right now. (laughs) Don't be bashful. Have some candy. (laughs) I love Werther's originals, though. I, I remember uh, days when my grandma would sit me and tell me stories. Pepper and, and Fire end, remembers. And at the end of the story, she would always pull out a Werther's original from her. <laughs> no, and no, she, you, you want to see something bizarre and deranged? Go look at the Japanese commercials for Werther's original. Those are fucking deranged. Really? What? What is original? <laughs> uh, hang on a second. Let me see if you find one because some what of them are it? just bizarre as fuck. Please tell me it's Godzilla sitting next to Godzuki telling him stories of how he defeated uh, Rodan and then he pulls out a Werther's original from his pocket. Oh. I don't even know what the hell this is. This is just seriously just screwed up. But hold on. I'm going to send a link over and you guys can watch it and post it or whatever. But this is just fucked up beyond all matters of belief. <laughs> all right. I <laughs> yeah, we'll post it. I don't know how we got on the topic of Werther's original. I still got more games to talk about. Are we even actually going to be on topic? I mean, no, we're not. This is the freaking Square Waves FM podcast, dude. Um, usually we make some kind of effort. I don't see any effort being made. Okay, we'll tell you what. I'll put this Werther's original thing in the in the uh, show notes. Let me let me talk quickly about what I played this week, and then we can get back to the nostalgia. So I did play an old old game. Um, thanks to Anatoly for telling me about this. DOS game. It's called Rockstar by a developer called Wizard. I think they're from Scotland. Um, and this game, this game is from 1989. It's a. I'm sorry to interrupt. Sure. Is this the game where you are like running a, a MTV type show and you're going through like kind of promoting bands, but hosting like making videos and stuff like that? Uh, no, this is, or are you thinking of like make your own video for Sega CD or something? Oh God, no. (laughs) This is a game where you yourself are a rock star and it's kind of like, um, it's like a a text-based sort of a strategy game, kind of like princess maker or I don't know what what else to compare it to. Um, but you have the option, it's like a turn-based game where you have the option each, each week to decide what you want to do. And you can practice your instrument, or you can write new songs, or you can perform gigs, or you can go on vacation or waste time or something. And every now and then, someone offers you some sort of uh, narcotic drug. Uh, for instance, and you can choose whether or not you want to take it. And then your uh, happiness and your creativity and your addiction levels all kind of go up in the background. So from what I can tell, you cannot be a successful rock star unless you're taking enough drugs that you're creative, but not so many drugs that you die. And so unfortunately, for, you died because... You I've died over, twice now. That's right. I, I had the uh, lovely message the last time I played of, uh, your mother offers you cocaine, and I refused it. And it says, your mother your mother calls you a square. 
<laughs> wait, wait, wait. Was this also released on the ZX Spectrum? The ZX um, it's maybe. a text adventure game, actually. Maybe. I'm looking at it right now on Moby Games. Yeah, it's like a text. It's like a text strategy adventure kind of a game, and it's pretty cool. Like if you take some drugs, like marijuana or LSD, the whole screen like gives you this awesome ASCII art animation kind of a thing, multicolored trip out scene. Hold on, I have I have a link of someone doing a review with it from the uh, ZX Spectrum version of it. Oh, I'm uh, sure there oh, is wait, one. I'm sorry, I'm confusing it with Rockstar ate my hamster. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's a yeah, that's a different game altogether. Ah, uh, well, this uh, is um, a great well, one. I'll um, it right now. I'm I'm going to download it right now. Actually, yeah, I'll find only two it on Abandonia. That's where I got it. Yeah, I grabbed it on my Abandonware. It's a really really good one. So I played that this week. And I also just started playing. I bought this game called Ghostbusters: The Video Game. I think it's from 2009 or so, maybe. Oh, thereabouts. by Terminal Reality. Yes, it is by Terminal Reality. That actually is an excellent adaptation, and Dan Aykroyd himself has actually said that is essentially Ghostbusters Three. It's written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold and Ramis. Ramis, and stars all the original cast. All the original cast. I don't know if. Um, 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 um. No Sigourney Weaver. No Sigourney Weaver. Weaver. No, a few or, people uh, aren't Rick there. Moranis. Rick Moranis. Rick yeah, Moranis is who I was yeah, thinking Jason of. Yeah, and are not in it. Although, what's your name? Who plays Janine? She's in it too. Annie Potts is in it, yes. Potts, yeah. That's right. They got Max von Sydow to come back and be Vigo briefly. Yes, they did. That's right. They have the Vigo painting in the Peck, firehouse. The dude, yeah. The dude, the dude who played out Walter Peck even uh, comes back. No and way. Oh, brilliant. So it's it's the production, like the, the visuals and the sound are amazing. And all the music from the movie is there as well. Surprisingly good. I actually bought this game a long time ago on a now defunct PC gaming site called Direct to Drive. I still have wow. the, the EXE uh, installer, but it does like a DRM lookup to try to connect to the original retailer, which doesn't exist. So I can't even fucking install the game that I paid money for. But um, it's on good old games right now. Uh, or no, it's on, I'm sorry, Green Man Gaming right now for like three bucks. So I bought it and uh, gave me a Steam key and I'm happy to have it. It's, it's awesome. quite good. So I got to put some time into that again, but I remember getting. I, I kind of wish that it was uh, cross-platform on Steam because I would actually like to buy it again. Oh, is it? It might be Windows only. Yeah, I had it for the 360, but um, we got rid of our 360, so yeah, <laughs> the game went with it. I'll probably buy it on the PS3 though. Oh sure, I, I if you're going for fidelity, the PC version is the way to go, but that assumes that you have a Windows machine. Yeah, but um, well, actually, the the system requirements on Windows is actually kind of low, so maybe I can probably even ram it into a VM or something. Maybe. It's the kind of game that will benefit from whatever hardware you have. Like, I have a 144 hertz monitor, and it runs at the full frame rate, mm -hmm. so in a VM, it's going to suffer. But it might be it might be playable. You better have a really beefy machine if you're going to play it on a virtual machine. Well, I could probably play it in, uh, in VMware because VMware actually touches more on the hardware. Like, it actually allows you to take advantage of the graphics card, for example. Yeah, that's true. Your, your host machine. So that might be a better way to go. Like I can probably put, build like a, a Windows VM and you know put it put it in VMware and just play it that way. It's entirely possible. Yep. So that's what we played this week, anyway. Um, let's see how we're doing for time. We're up to a, almost an hour and a half, so we have a little bit of time to reminisce, and then maybe we can have you again uh, another time to uh, finish off our list. Yep, we um, should do. So yep, I guess uh, continue on then. Okay. Well, um, how are you doing, dear? Do you want to do you want to jump in with something that you're uh, nostalgic about oh i forgot i'm even participating because i have no idea what you guys have been talking about we're talking about okay. whatever okay. you're talking over my head because you're all, you're okay. all okay. Do you know me. you know sailor moon right yes okay sailor moon uh did you know that the original american actress for sailor moon uh, uh when they was 
owned under Deke. Do you know that the original actress was in a movie called, um, hold on, uh, Prom Night 3, Mary Sue Returns. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and it, it's a bad, you know, because again, everybody knows the original prom night with um, uh, she she promotes yogurt now. I forgot her name already. <laughs> Is that a horror movie? Yes. I thought that was movie. women it, laughing alone with yogurt. Uh, uh, what's her name? Friggin' Hall- Halloween. Uh, <laughs> I forgot her name. Ah, I don't know. Is it prom the actress. Four, I never really three. cared for the English Wait, translation because night? it was so horribly butchered from the original. It oh, it was sanitized very sanitized and very happy scrappy. And it had the horrible moral lessons at the end of it. Oh, just like yeah. every fucking cartoon from that era. It's like they had to tack on some really chintzy moral lesson that we were supposed to learn from. Oh, didn't they? Sailor Moon says. Oh. No, but I kind of like that because out of all the anime that was released around that time, Sailor Moon was the one that was less butchered when it came to the editing table. Because if you watch, like, because originally, like, uh, let me just bring back uh, Dragon Ball Z. When it right. aired in the states originally, it was owned by Saban, and all who owns and the person and everyone knows what Saban is. Saban was the company that owned, you know, Power Rangers, Power Rangers. and became this juggernaut. And of course, the shows like VR Troopers, Superhero, uh, fucking Beetleborgs. But they owned the rights to the original uh, Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, and they butchered and edited and changed everything so badly it it's become a joke. That that's where we originally got the over nine thousand line and stuff like that. Right. And and Deke, on the other hand, the company responsible for um, Inspector Gadget and many cartoons of the eighties, you know, got the license to uh, Sailor Moon. And out of all the cartoons that came in, uh, you know, I mean, even you know, like um, they changed May- the gender of Sailor Uranus no. to be male. Okay, that's oh, all they? you need to know is that they changed her gender because they couldn't tolerate. A lesbian couple, even though all they did That's was right. just the uh, oh, kissing. Don't forget, don't forget Zoazite and Malachite. Yep, they changed, uh, this, they changed those to be passive platonic. They uh, cut out the whole episode of the fight against uh, Queen Barrel at the end. They cut out a whole episode. Where Isn't they that what the whole series about? They cut that out? Yeah, they cut out a huge part of, like, they cut out an episode in some of the stuff where they're up in the Arctic and they come back and this, each individual sailor goes and does her special uh, and efforts and she dies. And they usually bring those back and there's a tearful uh, goodbye because and they show the mangled body before oh. she uh, and before she gives her words of encouragement to... Mm. Uh, before their spirits appear. And he, no, but here's the funny part. When you watch that episode, when they do the Sailor Moon says PSA at the end, they show those clips that they edited out where the spirits talk to Serena, telling her, like, you can do this. It's up to you right now. Yet they don't show it in the episode, but they show it as part of the PSA about believing in yourself and all you need is a good bunch of friends. (laughs) I hated the – I guess the reason I hated the PSAs was I didn't have good friends when I was growing up. I was pushed around by my classmates. Mm. Let me put it this way. It was so bad that I got fed up that I signed up for martial arts. Wow. You're, you're talking to a guy who's a Sailor Moon uh, fan. Now, think of it that way. When you're, at high, when you're like in high school and college and you're wearing, walking around, walk, you know, wearing a Sailor Moon shirt and like <laughs> all these other dudes are watching all these other manly things and they're like looking at you funny like, wait, what, what the hell are you wearing? What is this shit? It's like, so it's, it's definitely different. Um, and so I, I was with you know part of some ridicule myself. Oh God, I, I would have been like I watch it for the girls. 
<laughs> I, like, I, I wouldn't do that either, but um, <laughs> I watched talk- the edited panty shots. What? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, no, no. Well, like, you were talking about um, Dragon horrible. Ball. You were talking about Dragon Ball being edited. I, when I was little, my first exposure to Dragon Ball was the uncut Spanish dub. Wow. Because I lived in Miami for a while, and um, one of the local stations there, I guess, had picked up the uh, the uncut Spanish dub from Mexico and aired it on a local station. And I just watched it like that, like completely uncut. Mm. They had all the tit jokes, all the dick jokes and everything else. You know, like they had the, the scene of Bulma flashing Master Roshi, you know, showing him that the carpet matches the drapes <laughs> and everything was there, like completely uncut. And they ran that on set on mornings. Wow. How were the voices in the Spanish version? Um... Kind of, uh, some of them were kind of goofy because, like, the, the actors are doing, like, these overblown, like, di- like all these overblown accents that just sounded really weird. Sure. But um, Master Roshi actually was pretty, like, appropriate, like a dirty old man-sounding thing. Uh, Balma sounded like a typical, like, you know, Spanish teenager. And uh, Goku was kind of funny because it was, like, it was an older lady trying to do, like, a little boy voice, and it sounded really weird because it kind of sounded a little bit like, yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, how is that That's different cool. than the actual Dragon Ball Z Japanese where it actually is an old lady pretending to be a boy? <laughs> I don't know, because this one's just kind of like she couldn't mask it very well. and just sounded really weird. Well, you one know, thing Bianca and I like to do is because we know the Simpsons, like every Simpsons backwards and forwards, sometimes mm-hmm. we like to watch uh, an episode of the Simpsons in some random language, Italian or Spanish or oh, what have we seen? Hebrew. Oh and whenever we watch the Spanish ones, they're talking a mile a minute because that language has like three times as many syllables as English. Well, isn't it because of the how many uh, verb tenses are there? I know when you conjugate, there's like nine conjugations. And does that exclude uh, conditional conjugations? There's about six or seven, depending on the dialect that you're speaking. Oh, so they have to put every time frame into context, sort of, as they're More speaking? or less. Yeah, it's a condition. It's co- conditional conjugations, oh, right? Because it's very verbose. Because there's like... Yeah. But, but like Pre- present, Spanish? present perfect, and then uh, like present perfect, but you know, referring to something that's going to happen in the immediate future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but 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 Spanish also too is like there's so many different dialects of Spanish. So it's like there's no real central dialect of Spanish at all. Like that. Right. I think the closest you'll probably get is Castilian. Right. And the the dialect like Cuban Spanish is very different from like most other Spanishes. Like we kind of like shorten and we kind of like are a little bit rough the way that we speak it, but it's also very like sing songy. Mm. But um. The Japanese, the Dragon Ball dub that I was watching was like a Mexican dialect. You could tell like it was probably dubbed in Mexico and they just grabbed it because it was right there. I'm sure there's as many dialects within Mexico too. That's a huge country. There is. There are. There are. There's also like um, even within like South America itself, like there are several dialects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I remember uh, talking to some uh, exchange students at the college where I work. They were from uh, Brazil and we were, I was talking to them about Max Payne 3 which takes place wow. in Brazil and they were telling me that all the dialogue dialects were wrong because it takes place in Sao Paulo but they all had uh, I forget Brasilia or something accents from oh like like further miles away. yeah so they said it all sounded funny to them and all the slang was wrong and the pronunciations were wrong I never considered that I love hearing things like that mm-hmm. so you guys like to watch Homero Homero. <laughs> that's right <laughs> That's right. Some of the voices are right on, though. We were surprised that they're just speaking another language, but like Lisa oh. and Mo, especially, sounded just right in all yeah. these different languages. It was kind of, kind of surreal. I've watched Futurama in Spanish. Oh, we haven't done that. No. Wrong. Although I've watched Little Mermaid in a few languages. I, what I love doing is looking up <laughs> the songs. For example, I watched the comparison of uh, Ursula's uh, voice, where she's where she's uh, dressed as um, Vanessa. 
and uh-huh. she's disguised with Nash and she's doing her little uh, dance and she steps onto the uh, bureau and she grabs the mirror and then that's when you see the reflection of Ursula in the mirror. Oh yeah, wasn't oh, like I could, Icelandic I could, or Norwegian or something the best one? Icelandic was the best one just because of the laugh. The Chinese was one of the worst because the laugh sounded pussy and it was not at all malevolent kind of just like <laughs> all right well in china they kind of suppress their laughs at least women do <laughs> yeah like, well, the mouth covering shy tittering yeah, little same with laugh. it's a very cultural thing i'm sure disney knows a lot about localization yeah because the icelandic one was quite uh hearty but so it, in english came in as number three and i think norwegian was pretty high up there and if you want if you want to you know listen to the little mermaid in a good in a proper language Get it in Danish. Oh, it's, right, because that's the origins of the story, is it? Yeah, and it's but it's weird listening to it in Danish because they don't because it all cuts out at weird spots, at least for the singing. Oh, which, because it's like there are fewer syllables. You mean there's fewer syllables and the way that the Danish tend to handle it definitive and infinite articles. Hmm. We hmm. should ask trolls if he can hook us up. Yeah, we Actually, will. We should ask trolls if he can sing for us. <laughs> no, we're not going to ask him. I bet he does a mean Ariel. Hey. Uh, actually, I think I ha- no. I downloaded the uh, Little Mermaid in Dutch. Have any of you guys ever like went to uh, the, the urban uh, urban legend about that you can see Ariel's areola when she's get the, <laughs> the scene that she's getting her legs? Is that where she like, got the name? No, no. I mean, in terms like you know the scene where Ursula. Yes, you know, and she's is, transforming. Yeah, I've heard of that, but I haven't heard of that. Let's, let's heard, no, watch on slow motion. Because, you know... It, it, the, the, Although like, they the, certainly you know, do give you a great side view when she's coming out of the water. You get a good hint of, uh, you know, just how prominent the uh, bosom is when she the, does the that features. flip coming the, out of the water after mm. being rescued by uh, oh, the yeah. shellfish and uh, and uh, personal little flounder. Mm. Yeah, and then like, there's like... Do you I bet he fries up nicely. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's almost in the same tense as that whole uh, Jessica Rabbit reveal in uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, yeah, you get like, you oh, see yeah. between your legs. Yeah. <laughs> In my high school media studies class, we uh, the my professor showed us a whole bunch of like uh, freeze frames uh, of Disney movies and all of these like little kind of adult perverted sort of things that the animators sneak into just one frame of animation. There were a lot of them in uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, especially with uh, the little baby Herman. Is that his name? Looking up people's scripts and stuff and sticking out his tongue in like his super lecherous kind of a pose. It's really creepy. Uh, yeah, it was like, he was a 50-year-old that looks like a 3-year-old. Yeah, that's right. 50-year-old bu- man with a 3-year-old dinky. Yeah, a 50-year-old lust and a 3-year-old dinky. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good movie. I love, it's one of my favorite movies. It's great. So um, it'll ne- something like that will never happen today. <laughs> that's right. Gotta, yeah, got to be PC. You got to be PC, everybody. No, not got to be PCs. That all the studios won't be able to license, give out the license out like that. Oh, yeah. No, totally. no merchandise. You, you, can, you, can, you can be offensive, but you can expect an R or NC-17 rating if you are. Or it has to be like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of a thing. Oh, no, but here's the funny thing. In the 80s and even in the mid-90s, like, there was a lot of PG-rated movies that had a lot of, like, Nude scenes and cursing and you know, double, double, triple entendres and shit. I like know that. it there was. Were. Like, well, they, oh, it was God. just another time. Like we watched Revenge of the Nerds a little while ago, and that's. I don't remember what that's rated. It might be rated R. It might be no, rated. No, it's less. rated PG. PG, and it has like a lot of like racism and like uh, misogyny and all kinds of like oh, really harshly phrased things. It's just a product of another time, which is really amusing. I know. I was always, I'm going back and, I'm, and then I look at all the, the G-rated stuff. It is so sanitized today. And I think of all the G-rated stuff from when I was a kid and I'm going, 
you know, the Mighty Hercules, that would have been probably, that would have gotten, you know, a PG or a PG-13 now. But then when we were growing up, it was, it was, a, it was a solid G. Maybe. Know? I remember being shocked when I go to the, vi- the video store as a kid and Bugs Bunny cartoons from like the 30s and 40s were actually rated PG. Mm-hmm. And every, everything else on the shelf was rated G. That's I, funny. Never, I, never got any, I never got ratings on any of mine. Like they were all completely unrated. I guess oh, maybe it's because I got them from the video store or something. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> I remember renting the the original Little Mermaid, and it didn't have a rating on it. No one mm. even questioned it. Oh, that was <laughs> oh, so I, gory. Because I, I still remember the end scene, and I don't remember where to find it. But what, the I, Disney Little Mermaid? No, 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 no. The one that's true, the Christian, the Christian Hans. Hans Christian Andersen? Yeah, the, the one through the original. Oh, that's right. Oh, and she has she the, I can still something? remember the, the end scene. The two of them are, it's the uh, the prince is in bed with his actual, with the wife, who is, you know, Ursula in disguise. Not, no, it was actually a different girl. And she's standing over him. She had the knife about to stab him. And she, and her sisters are waiting outside. They've all cut off their hair because that was the sacrifice they had to make to the witch and they're telling her to come back in and all she has to do is kill the prince to break the uh, contract that she has but mm-hmm. instead she throws the knife down go ahead and, and she and she throws herself in, into the sea and just drowns oh yeah she turns into sea foam and it's like that's dark as fuck yeah it is is it an animated one? I think I found the whole movie on YouTube is this it? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay, I'll uh, put this in the show notes. The whole hour and ten minute movie. Wow, there's a hell of a lot of tit in that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're watching this. I'll put this in the... We we have super voluminous show notes. I love it. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. But yeah, it's like I I love when they were like, they're dark as fuck. It's like sometimes Disney did sanitize that stuff. But um, yeah, Yeah, they're so sick and tired of it, they snuck shit in. Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, isn't the word sex in the, the sky in uh, Lion King? Lion King, yeah. yeah. And also, the, there's a topless woman in one of the window scenes of the first the rescue. rescue is down under. No, not down under, the first rescue. Oh, yeah. And, you know, in the box of the Little Mermaid, there's um, a, a phallic. Tower? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Palace, the palace has, like, phallic. Uh, pillars on the, it. The Palace of Phallus? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I like that. The Palace of Phallus is fucking awesome. I love that. That yeah. sounds like a He-Man porn parody. It does. <laughs> He-Man. Oh, no. She-Ra. She-Ra and the Palace of Phallus. That's the crossover. Oh, 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 oh. That's inspiration right there. That kind of is. We're turning into Andrew Dice Clay here. I love it. Hey, oh, oh. Dickery, dickery, dot. You put this up more. <laughs> that, that, was, that, was, that was pretty clever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We've got like, let's say we got about 10 minutes left. Uh, one of our guests, please name something else you have on your list of nostalgic goodies. Oh, God. Edgar, you go first. I'm trying to think. Well, aside from, uh, oh, here's uh, another tidbit. Uh, My Pet Monster. I yes. love that show. One of, the, one of the protagonists went to my high school. The voice actor went to my high school. Were any of you guys able to afford the actual My Pet Monster plushie? I had it. You did? You had it? I couldn't afford it. I, I my, never had it. I was an only child. It was so And cute. my parents were in the process of going through a divorce. Naturally, oh. I got everything. Cha-ching. <laughs> I got two Christmases. I got two birthdays. I got pretty much two of everything. Now I get two Christmases and Hanukkah. Cha-ching. <laughs> <laughs> but the, you know, the weird thing is, did you know there was a live action movie? Yes. Really? And no. Did you, and did you ever watch it and realize how off the source material that movie is from the actual cartoon show. I oh, never thought of it. I found it on IMDb. I'm going to put the link to it so you guys can read this. There it is. Yeah, I had, like I said, I had the, I had it, but it was like I was younger, so I don't remember what happened to it. 
And it's funny because the actual live action version of the My Pet Monster left it so they, left it open ended so there could be a sequel because in the cartoons he had uh, another monster, a rival monster Whoa. to the you know to fight you know because adventures. But the actual live action version of the My Pet Monster movie it's like a half an hour special. It's on YouTube as well. I'm putting it in the notes. Exactly. Uh, there you go. But okay. the weird thing is, we cover this in our own show. Because they gave me time to talk. That's about that is true. They gave them, they gave them that credit. No, I'll still talk about it because there's still a lot of stuff I want to talk about. My pet monster, I, it, like the fact that you know the original cartoon is about a kid who discovers a monster who eats trash. Okay, that's good. The live action version is the kid finds a, 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 an exhibit in a museum and transforms into the monster himself. And the whole episode is about trying to protect a dog that is uh, cost a lot of money in, 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 at a dog show <laughs> and criminals try to kidnap the dog and it's about him as the monster who transforms when he's hungry or something so he can help the dog and it, it's so stupid it, it, it's like it's the fine example of someone getting a license to something that people mm-hmm. like know maybe not love but know and then automatically turning it upside down to what the source material it has no connection to. Oh god! Oh, and a fun little tidbit about the director video special. Guess what? who it starred? Who? Claire Redfield. Who? Who? Allison no. Court. Wait, the the girl who voiced Claire Redfield. Yes. Resident, uh, Resident Evil. Yes. Oh. I don't know. What, what was she eating a Jill sandwich too? <laughs> she probably was eating a Jill sandwich. It must have been delicious. Well, whoever the little boy in the cartoon with who owned the My Pet Monster, he, that voice actor went to my high school. And I didn't know him personally, but the people that I knew said that he was, like, stuck up or something. I don't like oh, to talk shit about oh, oh. I don't want to so, talk shit behind some guy's back who I don't even know. But he went to my high school, so that's kind of oh, cool. So he came directly from Snob Hill. I guess Ooh. so. <laughs> Snob- well, well, you lived in Snob Hill. Me? Thornhill, a bunch of useless. We're all stuck up. No, no, we were middle class. We were very middle class. Oh, please. I said your neighborhood. That was far from middle class. It's above middle class. I lived in. It really is. It really is. No, you guys are above middle class. Where I live, we were middle class. Okay, apparently I'm a snob. Wait, we're above middle class? I'm sorry, my friend, but I was below, below, low class. Like, again, the only type of games I was able to afford were rented games. And right now I'm catching up on old games I never played. I came from the lower card. <laughs> oh, yeah, we rented like, too. Yeah. My parents were divorced. So once they divorced, then and uh, I spent most of my time with the good parent. <laughs> not because I got more stuff, but because he was not an asshole like my mother was. And you got more stuff. Uh, no. No. <laughs> no, I just got better stuff. Oh. There you go. And that's what matters. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's like instead of, you know, 10 shirts from Zellers, I got two shirts from uh, a good store that actually lasted me. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? This brings an inter- interesting question. Out of all the toys and stuff you got as kids, what was the number one toy or whatever that you never got and you Ooh. always wanted? And even to this day, you still kind of pine for it. That's a good one. Oh, I got to think about this. That's too. a good question. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I'll give mine really quickly. Mine was, I, know I wanted an Amiga. Oh, hell you wanted, yeah. You wanted a Spanish friend? I wanted a girlfriend in Mexico. I wouldn't mind a girlfriend from Mexico. I wouldn't mind a girlfriend from anywhere for that matter. I, would I love... wanted an Amiga computer as a kid and I could never get one. Oh, hell yeah. Those are amazing multimedia machines. I would have loved that. 
Yeah. Man, it what was so hard to get in the States. You got one? Oh, I do. And call it Envy because my cousin had it. I ha- actually have two things that I really want. And it's a bit of a toss-up. Because as, as much as I love my Game Boy, it sucked playing it in a, when you were in a car trip, especially since your parents sometimes wanted to drive at night. And I didn't, and I wanted the flashlight magnification combination. That was one thing I really wanted. I think it was like $10. <laughs> I had one. It was horrible. It was I, so bad. I was so envious of my friends and my cousin who had one. It makes you look like a, uh, like a Game Boy scientist. It's like this huge magnifying glass that sticks out with a backlight. I had it. It was such a... I remember those. It was a battery guzzler, and it wasn't even good. Uh, all right, so... When you um, don't have one, it's amazing. I guess so. It's impossible to see that thing in the dark. Who else had a toy pining? I am thinking hard and, about this. Oh, do you have another okay. one? Yes. I, I, me? Look, again, I'm a huge Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle guy. Even yeah. to this day, you know, I still like the series and the franchise. But the one thing... I, I like I have the turtle blimp. Okay, cool. Oh, that was like, awesome. You know the two things I've always wanted. And I also had the the little tank that shot pizza slices. But the thing <laughs> that like I've been wanting and I've always wanted was the turtle van, but not Oh but the party wagon. The party, yeah, the party wagon. wagon. The, the the bank bus. Um but <laughs> but the number one thing that I wanted and I know everybody wanted at the time was the Technodrome. Oh, God. oh Nobody yeah! Could get the technodrome. That was so expensive. Not to mention, not many stores around, at least in my, around my area, had it. I, I, whether it was in high demand or whether you know it cost so much or whatever, or, or maybe the, the when they got it, people were buying it. It's like that's like the number one thing that always like. Oh, I want the <laughs> I want the technodrome for even at my age of thirty. Like I just want to have it. Look at this giant golf ball with an eyeball on top. Put it in the corner of my room. Just look at it. Like yeah. Um, yeah, that's you know it. What? Thank God for eBay. Uh-huh. You know what? I just that brings to mind something that I remember that I always wanted and I never got, and that was a Megatron. I wanted to have Wait. Me- Megatron from uh, from uh, Transformers. Transformers that would turn into a gun that you could hold. You in your wanted hand. the gun. You yeah, mean, you wanted. You want. See, that's the thing. You want a toy that by new by America law you cannot have. <laughs> that's right. So I, I'm not getting that again. I did have an Optimus Prime who turned into the truck with a trailer. And everything, but I, I always wanted the Megatron. I could never get it. I had a Megatron. Those were had, awesome. Um, and I, I also wanted Soundwave because he had the little audio oh cassettes God. that turned into what were their what were their names? Oh, the cassette player. It yeah, was, uh, Laserbeak. Uh, uh, There's a no, dog and a bird. No, Laserbeak, Ravage, and then it was Ravage. Rumble. Yeah, Soundwave was the coolest guy. And it, I, it was and it was voiced by the dude who did the voice for Claw, uh, Doctor Claw, and Inspector Gadget. Oh, really? Who did we see at that anime convention once? Oh, it was the guy who played Starscream and Cobra Commander. He was a cool guy. We saw him at a at a, a voice actor. Um, it was just one panel. who also did uh, Duo Maxwell from Gundam Wing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't know. No, because I was thinking I'm like Scott McNeil. There's oh yeah, it was Scott McNeil. And there was also the guy who played Psyduck. And on, I have I have his I have a signature on two art prints. He was a cool guy. Okay. I, is there a voice that Frank Welker didn't freaking do in our growing up? Even to this day, the dude's still getting work. Is that everything? I mean I mean, as long as there's Scooby Doo. As long as there's an iteration of Scooby Doo, I mean, there's an iteration of it now. There was an iteration of it then. There was an iter. He did like as long as Scooby Doo is around, he'll always fucking voice Fred. Uh, he actually voices Scooby and Scooby. Hmm. Oh, but um, I, I guess I could probably do one last because there's one I never had. Sure, I yeah. never had Unicron. Oh, but see, oh, but, from the movie, right? Yeah, we never had. I never had a Unicron. That was a kick-ass movie. I gotta say. That but was, I was glad I had a Galvatron. Yes. 
Yeah, but that was a shitty Galvatron compared to like the new one, newer one now out now. Yeah, that true, actually- but you know, as a kid, you were like, eh, whatevs. He had it. Scott Gosh. Welker was a voice double for Leonard Nimoy in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Wow. Um, he did the screaming. Uh. <laughs> yeah, he, he did all the Spock screams. Wow, he was the Wilhelm. Did he did he do it under the Scooby Doo voice? <laughs> no, he just did this. Uh, he just did this blood curdling. Raymond Rogan, Raggy, no, Raptor Gurk, Captain Gurk, Raptor Gurk, Captain Gurk. Oh god, that was so fun. That's funny. Oh man, now you're gonna make me want to watch Star Trek three again. Thanks a lot, Edgar. Oh, there we're working away. Man, we started watching the Star Trek one movie. It is so slow. We were we oh, it no. literally put us to sleep. We got halfway through. We're like, okay, we'll watch the rest tomorrow because we were no, not no, no, no. Start just go to Star Trek two and be done with it. Really? You huh? Know, everybody, that is their at their jump on point. Avoid part one because part one was what if Star Trek. Uh, like what was if Star Trek had a budget by, by Kubrick? By yeah, Stanley Kubrick. it That's was. It well, That's the guy, the guy who did um, Star Trek One is the guy who did the Earth who stood still. But the problem was, was that that mm. was actually like um, a big thing of like uh, aborted TV series, like a TV reboot series, and then like a whole bunch of stories that everybody else like kind of threw together, and it kind of got like a little bit too big for its own good. That's what it kind of yeah. seemed like, like a regular episode that might have two other episodes where the side plots, and then they pad it with and it amazing kind of smashed effects. It together, and then Rathacom was like done by the TV, the TV division, and it just went fucking crazy. Oh, we and have to say, is that number two? Yeah, yeah. that's part two. That's okay. the best of the lot. We, oh, good to why, know. You know, and that's why every you know Star Trek fan says. Avoid the first one. Just go with the second one and move on, and that's it. Because again, that one captured the feeling of the show, and again, it continued from an episode from the show itself. Yeah, I mean, and also and too, Ricardo Montalban in his big plastic chest. We right. should really say that because that's his real chest. Yes, yes. It's, that sounds like a Harry Potter book. Ricardo Montalban in his big plastic chest. <laughs> Harry Potter and Ricardo Montalban's chest. Yeah. <laughs> Is the that the classic book or is that the gold <laughs> label books? That's the gold label. Those are the premium books. Oh, wicked. All right, hey guys. Well, with that, why don't we call it a day? All right, yes. Let's do that because uh, we we went crazy here. We're going to probably go crazy if we don't stop ourselves. Probably. Exactly. Well, let's all go crazy again sometime because it was great yeah. to have you guys aboard. No problem. It was, it was fun being fun. back. All right, real good to have you. Sweetie, would you like to take us out? Mm-hmm. No, you do it. I do it? Okay, I'll do it. I'm getting <laughs> I'm getting the eyes. All right. Well, folks, thanks a million for Oh, there's one thing that you do have to there's one thing that you do have to talk about. Oh, I do. Yeah, you do. Why don't we we have a contest. Why don't we make the contest the first two people to tweet us whatever toy, childhood toy they never ended up getting. And the prizes are Um, why does it have to be the first two? That seems completely random. Because we have two things? True, but why the first two? Because, because that, why not? Because we you know most radio shows, you know, say for the, our seventh and tenth caller. Yeah, I know. We only have two people that listen to our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and, Fine. I'm, and I'm one the of them. Third and fifth. Fuck off, dude. Whatever. Third and fifth. Third and fifth. That's what I say because they're because they were for my game bundle. Okay, fine. Well, what games? What bundles are you gaming? Well, for our fifth and third and fifth users who tweet us the one game that they never got but wanted as a child we have two games that we're offering a copy of her story and missing one of these games is very good (laughs) the other one of these games made me swear a lot (laughs) if you're lucky you'll get the one that didn't make me swear (laughs) they're both fmv okay well assuming we have five people who listen to our show there you go and if you don't see anyone else who's tweeted it yet, then I guess just keep waiting because no one's going to want to tweet until they're the third or fifth. 
<laughs> well conceived. Anyway, uh, thanks a million for joining for joining us, uh, fellas. And um, oh, and before I take us out, of course, uh, why don't you guys tell us uh, where everyone can uh, reach you? All right, Edgar, you first. Uh, they, if they want to contact me, any information or any sponsorship information, I'm lo- I'm available at uh, at Moon Spider Hugs on Twitter. Uh, again, also you can also follow the Nostalgia Road Trip at N Road Trip Podcast. What is it? N Road Trip Cast. What? At N Road Trip Cast. At for the official Twitter of the Nostalgia Road Trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we post things daily in terms of like crazy pictures, crazy articles, or just things we like to say that are stupid. And again, um, for any retro VGM related stuff, again, just follow me at Moon Spider Hugs, where I basically that's like my main, my main page where I post a lot of old game stuff and even links to uh, articles that I write. Uh, occasionally for uh, skirmish frogs at skirmish frogs on Twitter, uh, and also skirmishfrogs.com, where a good chunk of my backlog on retro VGM um, um, revival hour um, podcast is at, as well as like uh, various uh, retro game articles that I've written uh, for the past couple of weeks. Oh, right on! Thank you. And um, I'm on Twitter at Lambda Calculus, and of course our road, our um, podcast is on SoundCloud. Just search Nostalgia Road Trip, and it's also on iTunes. And yes, please listen, tune in, give us five-star reviews and all that stuff. Give us a lot of love. We love it. You bet we will. Yeah, I've been listening to your show ever since I had you, uh, Robert, on the show. So uh, awesome. enjoy it a lot. I'm, I'm a couple of episodes behind after not commuting for two weeks over the holidays, but I'm catching up. Well, sounds awesome. We're going to have 91 coming up soon enough, so just uh, be on standby. 91. Very impressive. That's awesome. And we'll also uh, watch out for uh, Edgar's new uh, Saturday morning cartoon thingy on YouTube. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I'll definitely make sure I send you guys the link once it's finally completed. Please do. Looking forward to it. And ladies and gents, if, you can, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can get us on the web, squarefm.demodulated.com. By email, we're squarefm at demodulated.com. And on Twitter, we're at squarewavesfm. So thanks a whole bunch. Keep on uh, fighting evil by daylight, or 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 Making love or by else. daylight. Yeah, and that's enough. And always never running from a real fight. Because <laughs> we are the one called Square Waves of Ben. Yeah, you don't throw in always. Well, if you why you sometimes run from a real fight. What kind of sailor it's scout are you? Just never running from a real fight. Oh, never. Just never. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, always yeah, so always running from a real fight. That's my style. <laughs> All right, so oh yeah, we're we're yeah, ending, aren't we? Peace out, guys. Okay, peace out. See you later, guys. Right. Beep, beep, bye. Twelve.
Yeah.